Hi, I was going through my TikTok content, but they shut you off. Let's see what's going on with Midas Touch. I'm being geofenced, by the way, so if any real people actually hear this podcast, it's a freaking miracle. I think pretty much uh, my sensors at DHS. Pope Francis warns world about danger of MAGA. Wow. Mind control. Backward U.S. conservative says ideology is replacing faith. Pope has had it with MAGA. That's pretty cool. Pope Francis called U.S. conservative Catholics backward in a meeting with members of the Jesuit order in Lisbon, Portugal on August 5th. During the meeting, Francis was speaking with a Jesuit priest who was describing his experience on sabbatical in the United States during which he experienced U.S. Catholics attacking the Pope for his more progressive views. Francis acknowledged the priest's report by citing a very strong organized reactionary attitude in the U.S. Church, which he called backward. He claimed that in this type of faith environment, people abandoned traditions for ideologies and that ideologies replace faith. Yeah, like... In God we trump. Pope Francis, I want to remind these people that backwardness is useless and they must understand that there's a correct evolution in the understanding of questions of faith and morals. Recent polling suggests that Trump supporters in the U.S. trust Trump more than they trust religious leaders, family, and friends. Here's a report from Mice Touch contributor Coach D about right-wing Christians in the U.S. in the Trump era, abandoning the Bible for being too liberal. Right. Ah. Hmm. At the Midas time. Trump just attacked Judge Chetkin and vowed to appeal his trial date in new deranged post, but there's one tiny problem for Trump. Trial date is not appealable. We did not see this coming. Furious Florida Democrat torches launch sentence and must be take down. Sounds great. Come on with your hands up, Trump. Game's over. You're under arrest, and this time it's for good. The warning shot, bitch. Come on with your hands up. racially motivated murders, perpetrating violence of this kind is unacceptable. The governor has blood on his hands. He has had a attack, an all-out attack on the black community. He with his uh, anti-vote policies, which we know very well was nothing more than a dog whistle to get folks up and riled up in the way in which it just happened on yesterday. I am more than angry, and now that I'm three,
shed light on, frankly, the only response worth No, not the speech from that robot whose rhetoric fuels such hatred and policies seek to eradicate black history from the state that this happened in. A response to his hollow words from Democratic State Representative Angie Nixon. The NAACP issuing a travel advisory that is real. That is what's happening in the state of Florida. And yet, time and time again, when I am on the House floor, when I am telling all the folks what's happening in our state, in the House floor from, from leaders, we get we get microaggressions. Representative Nixon has strongly criticized Governor Ron DeSantis for his role in what she considers to be an increasingly hostile environment for black people in Florida. And so she went on MSNBC and she did not mince her words. The state and its people condemn the horrific racially motivated murders perpetrated by a deranged scumbag uh, in Jacksonville at the Dollar General store. Uh, perpetrating violence of this kind is unacceptable and targeting people due to their race has Come no back. place in the state of Florida. What do you make of that condemnation? What I make of that condemnation is follow statements. This is a governor who has done nothing but fan, fan these types of of happenings throughout our, our state. Look, at the at the end of the day, the governor has blood on his hands. He has had a attack, an all-out attack on the black community he, with his uh, anti-woke policies, which we know very well was nothing more than a dog whistle to get folks up and riled up in the way in which it just happened on yesterday. As I listened to him for the first time uh, <laughs> with that statement, I, my, my blood is literally boiling. Myself and other representatives, particularly black representatives, throughout the past few legislative sessions, have we have repeatedly told him what his rhetoric was going to do. And that is exactly what transpired on yesterday. This is absurd. It's ridiculous. He is one of the causes to this. This is an agenda that he has been pushing since he has gotten into office. He showed us who he was when he initially ran for governor saying, don't monkey this around. Don't monkey this up. Those type of statements, it only leads to things like this. Let's be clear. This is the same state legislature that just recently
we get we get microaggressions. We get all oh, that's that's not real. But again, you have a governor who cares more about pandering to a base of voters, not even caring about what's happening here in our state of Florida and the eight thousand educator shortage that we have, right? The property insurance prices that we're dealing with, the rising rent costs. No, he wants to be, be vindictive to black folks because it gives him points in poll numbers. That's that's what we're dealing with. America, you are in danger, girl. We must stop Ron DeSantis in his tracks. I am not an angry black woman. I am a woman who is speaking truth to power to let you all know this man means us no good. And it is evident by what transpired here yesterday in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, this comes after DeSantis was booed and heckled while attending a memorial for the three black victims who were gunned down by a 21-year-old white man, Ryan Pomitar, who authorities say, quote, hated black people. Oh, this country, man. Introducing the Filtersorb Whole House Water Conditioner. A complete home water filter. <laughs> Supremacy has no place in America. Jim, um, <laughs> we spent the whole week here in special session, and I've heard my Republican colleagues tell us that there's no issue of gun violence and just making excuses. And to be honest, Jim, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm emotional right now because this America should be tired of this. This is this is madness, and we don't have to live this way. Next to the segment on MSNBC is one that needs to be held across every single platform. And here's the point. We can laugh off the sentences, awkward smile, and inability to show an iota of charisma. But as governor, his rhetoric and, quote, anti-war policies are dog whistles, and they've caused serious damage. The state of Florida, we're proud to stand for education, not indoctrination in our schools. Look at these books that have already been banned due to Republican measures. The life of Rosa Parks. To anyone who's been paying attention to DeSantis, when he says anti-woke, he means anti-black. He's been attacking black people and attacking migrants and attacking the LGBTQ community and in turn emboldening individuals like this. But Ron DeSantis really is running on an authoritarian agenda. The policies he has enacted in Florida are the opposite of freedom. To me, the opposite of core American values, because in Ron DeSantis' Florida, the state will decide what books your child can or cannot read in their school library. 
by threatening teachers and librarians with time in prison if they do not comply with vague laws about instruction. Be labeled as racist and discrimination without, an, without a response. ISIS, the Taliban, and Al-Qaeda. Those are the folks who would discriminate. We bombed a building in 2017 like we never usually do. We bombed it because they threw homosexuals off that building. Our terrorist enemies hate homosexuals more than we do. They're the ones who discriminate. So yeah, while he'll likely fall short in his run for presidency up against their fearless cult leader-in-chief, the damage he's already caused in Florida is there for everyone to see. And we need to be highlighting this message from Representative Nixon as opposed to airing the hollow thoughts and feelings of a man who just adds fuel to the fire. The governor has blood on his hands. He has had a attack, an all-out attack on the black community. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? You can continue the conversation by following us on Instagram. At Midas she Touch. don't need no Instagram. She just uses Twistagram. At Fry's, you can see big today with sales and promotions on your favorite items. Schmidt explains the rise and never fall of Donald Jackass Trump. There are many people in America who stand in opposition to Donald Trump, but still don't understand him. They don't understand the appeal. They don't understand the people in their own families who vote for Donald Trump, despite being against everything that he stands for in the conduct of their own personal lives. They don't understand why decent people are attached to the malice, to the insanity, to the complete and total imbecility and idiocy that flows from his mouth every day. They don't comprehend why these people that they know, that they work with, that they're neighbors with, good people, some of them who voted for Barack Obama, will not walk away from a man who faces 91 felony accusation. Why is that? During this election cycle, tens and tens of billions of dollars will be spent on polling. The airwaves and the internet will be filled with data scientists. Everybody will have their models and their predictions. And once again, as we head into 2024, they will likely be wrong. Don't have their fingers on the pulse of the American people, and they don't understand the Trump phenomenon. The defining issue of our time is the total and complete collapse of trust between the American people and almost every institution you can think to name. The United States military for a very long time was immune from this trap, but recently, it has become acceptable. This is the fruit of Donald Trump's incessant attacks on the American armed forces and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. It's the result of all their smears, all their lies, all their silly accusations of wokeness. The impact is most seen amongst Republican voters. So now the military joins 
other institutions in a free fall of trust. The crisis facing American democracy at its core is a crisis of faith and belief. At the beginning, our founding fathers talked often about faith and belief, but also happiness. They believed that happiness was deeply linked to the concept of freedom, and that within a happy society, the people must be free to pick their leaders. This is elemental to the American way of life. Most Americans understand this. Most Americans wouldn't abide a dictator, a tyrant, somebody who proclaimed themselves emperor or king. They'd be laughed at, scoffed, mocked. So why is it tolerated by so many tens of millions of Americans who stand, will place their hand over their hearts and say the Pledge of Allegiance, or sing the Star-Spangled Banner with fervor and conviction? How can they support a man who denied an election result and staged a coup? It's very simple. When you look at the polling, like a sore loser. Why, there are no expectations for millions of Americans that government will deliver anything for them. Who are these people? Well, among them are the 60% of the population that lives paycheck to paycheck. Remember, 40% of the country does not have $400 cash available for a state of emergency. They hear the promises, but nothing in their life ever changes. With gasoline near $6 a gallon, middle class people in America don't believe the economy is good for them. Simple say again, this could have been a family tragedy. Fire extinguishers are a great tool. As long as you can remember the steps for using them, all precious seconds. We're at a hinge in American life. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Eridstoner. Labor movements ascendancy and resurgence is proof of that. The strikes that are taking place are meaningful and important because they speak to the very nature of work and thus the dignity of the citizen in the 21st century. But what happens when people no longer have an expectation that anything will happen that improves anything for them? Once expectations are bottomed out and fall to zero, someone like Trump can rise. Because what Trump is at the end of the day is a philosopher. He's a philosopher of fuck youism. <laughs> and the philosophy of fuck youism is very simple to understand. Tens and tens of millions of Americans who have lost faith, who believe that the game is rigged. There is one set of rules for the people at the top, and one set of rules for everyone else. Among them, the millions and millions of Americans who lost home after the financial collapse of 2008, while not a single Wall Street executive went to prison. Their only hope is that somebody, 
from somewhere will deliver the only thing that they think they can count on. They just want someone to say, fuck you, to the people they hold responsible for wrecking their American dream, and they feel utterly powerless against. Thank you for listening to my political commentary. If you like what you heard today, please also consider subscribing to The Warning, daily newsletter on Substack. Our democracy hangs in the balance. The 2024 presidential election is the most consequential in America's history. It's not hyperbole, it's a fact. That is why the mission of The Warning with Steve Schmidt is to help readers orient to the currents that are shaping our times and the unseen forces driving politics that are very rarely discussed on cable news. We sign up at Steve Schmidt, S-T-E-V-E-S-C-H-M-I-D-T dot substack dot com. Again, Steve Schmidt dot substack dot com or at the link in the show notes section below. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening and watching. How does Trump deliver for them? Again, they're not looking for powerful results. They don't believe them. Even when something as grand as Biden's Infrastructure Act is passed, they're so poisoned by the billion-dollar propaganda machine that surrounds the empire of MAGA Mallet that they don't believe a word of it. The only thing they see is the reaction by the people that they hate, by the people that they think condescend to them, disrespect them, and ignore them. Yes, I'm talking about you, American media. What they want to see is those people antagonize. What they hope to see and what they laugh about is how they react to Trump. Every day, Trump delivers his fuck you, and the people cheer. Why? It's not in their interest. It's not in their country's interest. This is the cost of cynicism, the cost of disillusionment, when the only thing that millions and millions of people look for, can count on, from their political leadership in their country, is to deliver a fuck you. When you reach that point, and we have, we're in a crisis. Trump is part of the crisis. Trump is a threat and the greatest danger to American democracy. But politics in America is downstream from American culture. A healthy society does not produce a President Trump. A sick, decaying, and rotten one does. These things happen in democracies. Mistakes are made, as it is said. But in the end, the next election is the one that matters. Because there's nothing new to learn about Trump. We know what he is. We know what he stands for. And we know that he means it when he talks about a platform of retribution and revenge. 
he does not have enough people in this country to support him to be elected unless there are enough people who are apathetic enough to stay in with their indifference. And then maybe, just maybe, he can achieve the small majority he needs to take power for the very last time. And then there will be chaos, and there will be mayhem in American society. The job of American politicians, whether they be at a local, county, state, or federal level, is to serve the public interest and to do it in a way that is consistent with American law and the Constitution of the United States. Donald Trump's betrayal of that document betrayed also our history, our story, and sacrifices that beggar the imagination over 250 years. What he did was immoral. It was appalling. But nothing he did could have been done without the appalling, amoral, utterly despicable cowardice of nearly every single elected Republican at a federal, state, county, and local level everywhere across America through 50 states of the Union. Thank you for watching. Make sure you subscribe to our channel so you never miss a video. Also, for more content just like this, please consider joining our Warning Premium community. You can find out more in the description below. I like his stuff, okay and he speaks so slowly. <clears throat> Go check out and see what Mighty Touch is up to. View channel. Devastating day in court yet. Uh, five o'clock. Oh, wait, isn't that now? Most devastating day in court yet. Midas Mighty, call DOJ, mandate, charge 160 plus GOP traders. For January 6th insurrection and remove them all now. Washington, D.C. Federal Judge Tanya Chutkin. Federal Judge Chutkin presided over a trial setting conference in her courtroom. She kept command of the court in the face of Trump's lawyers constantly interrupting her and speaking over her and repeatedly accusing her of engaging in a miscarriage of justice. And then just like that, 
Swiftly, she announced the trial date, March 4th, 2024, uh -huh. and the related dates before that for pre-trial motions. Now, over the weekend, Trump's lawyers continued their media tour saying how prepared they were, how big and how smart Donald Trump was, how ready he was for trial, that this was easy. But as soon as they were in court, all we heard was Trump's lawyers whining, just like Trump about not being ready or prepared and how unfair this was or how unfair that is. And once the trial date was set by federal judge Tanya Chutkin, what did Trump do? Well, he immediately took to social media to attack her, to attack special counsel Jack Smith, to attack the entire judicial system. Trump says he is going to file an appeal of the March 4th trial date, but folks, the trial date is not appealable. Next, <laughs> let's go to Georgia, where we had a busy day in both state court and federal court in connection with the sprawling RICO case against Donald Trump and 18 other co-defendants brought by Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis in Georgia state court. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee set the arraignment of Trump and his co-defendants for September 6th, starting at 9.30 a.m. with Trump's arraignment to go first, and then each co-defendant will have their arraignments held every 15 minutes thereafter. We expect this proceeding will be televised, and we will have our Midas Touch Network cameras in the courtroom. Meanwhile, in federal court in the Northern District of Georgia, federal judge Steve Jones held an evidentiary hearing in connection with Mark Meadows' attempt to try to remove the case from Georgia State Court to federal court. To the surprise of virtually everyone, Mark Meadows testified. He took the stand. He waived his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. A true mini-trial took place in federal court. So what happened and what happens next? Well, Georgia MAGA Republicans don't want anything to happen next. They have started efforts to try and remove Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis as a prosecutor in Fulton County under a new law, SB 92, signed into law by... Republican Governor Brian Kemp back in May, which creates the Orwellian named Georgia Prosecuting Attorneys Qualification Commission in order to remove duly elected prosecutors oh who the Republicans on the commission feel bring, quote, disrepute to the profession. When Republicans That's don't bullshit. like the outcome, this is what they do. So wow. what will happen next there, we'll discuss. And speaking of Republicans trying to gain the system and destroy our democracy, Republicans are gearing up for an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. The scope of it, the Republicans don't really know. Something about Hunter Biden's laptop and subsidiaries and 
a whistleblower, who knows what. But folks, as the Republicans are now refusing to fund our government, they are focused on doing whatever Donald Trump tells them to do to harm our nation. We've got a lot to discuss. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch podcast, joined by Jordy Micellis and Karen Friedman Agnifilo. Brett is away and no one better to discuss these legal developments. So many. It was fast and furious. Karen Friedman Agnifilo and I were speaking all day and I just said, Karen, you're coming on the show. Karen <laughs> fortunately said yes. We're thankful to have you and your perspective here, Karen Friedman Agnifilo, for those that don't know, yeah. um, for a very long period of time, over close to three decades, number two prosecutor in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and served for certain significant periods of time as the District Attorney. So it's great to have Karen Friedman Agnifilo here. Jordy, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so excited for the show tonight. Big bro, you look excellent in that shirt. My favorite, Karen. We love you, Karen. Guitar. Funny enough, quick, quick story. I know when Ben likes when we talk brother band before we get into the real serious news. I was with Ben. When he got that shirt, and so we do a little bit of a pre-show, I comment on Ben's shirt. I'm like, hey, Ben, that's a new shirt. I really like that. And to his, I don't know, lack of memory of being with his younger brother, he totally forgot that I was with him when we got it. He's like, thanks, Ben. I just got it the other day. Like, made no <laughs> mention that we got it together. But anyway, let's move that aside. We are so lucky to have KFA, as we affectionately call it here on the Midas Touch Network, join us I'm tonight. Here for I'm ben. so excited. Karen, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm so honored to be like an honorary sister today on the Brotherhood. So I love it. It's great to have you here, Karen. We've got a lot to discuss, but from the outset, I do want to mention that lots of people have been asking for the federal judge Tanya Chutkin emoji on our YouTube channel. And so I have been given authorization to unlock the judge emoji if we hit five hundred members on this episode 500 new memberships if you're already a member you can gift other people memberships as well if we don't hit it on this episode i think we'll come close to hitting it on this episode we will roll that over to the next episode to unlock the judge chutkin emojis but i'd like to see it unlocked here and we appreciate everyone who's become a member of the midas touch network we don't have outside investors here which is probably not the greatest business model in the world but the way we grow this platform for example how we created midastouch.com which is the new homepage for all things Midas touches through those uh, emoji supports and Patreon support we've been able to bring on some top editors some top writers so you can see 
the direct correlation between emojis and the growth of this network. And so 500 emojis, we unlock the Judge Tanya Chutkin emoji. And rightfully so, I I hope we unlock that today. Karen, there was a lot of developments in uh, different courtrooms today across the country. So let's start with Washington, D.C., where you had special counsel Jack Smith previously requested January 2nd of 2024. You had Donald Trump through his counsel. They requested April of 2026 for the trial date in connection with the case brought by special counsel Jack Smith in D.C. for Trump's attempts to overthrow the 2020 election. And so a lot for Judge Chutkin to consider. Ultimately, she said a March 4th, 2024 trial date. But Donald Trump's lawyers say we're not ready. We're not prepared. This is so unfair. But what happened over the weekend and the previous weekends? What have we seen over and over again? Every weekend, either Donald Trump's lawyers or spokespeople or lawyers slash spokespeople, they go on TV and what do they say? They spread the Trump propaganda to right-wing media, whether it's Fox or Newsmax, and they say, we're ready to go. This is simple. Some Kim Jong-un style stuff here. Donald Trump is so smart. He's so intelligent. He doesn't need to prepare. Why? Because these mega Republicans do not want to exist in the world of law and order. They want to exist in the world of propaganda, of right-wing propaganda. So they say that as if special counsel Jack Smith's team's not going to bring it up to Judge Tutkin and say, Judge Tutkin, they said they're ready. They said they have the information. They said they're prepared. Here is all of the times they've gone on this media tour and said they are ready. So, for example, here is Alina Hoppe. I guess this was an upgrade this weekend in the sense that uh, her statements were only used as evidence against Trump's legal team at a hearing. She wasn't sanctioned close to a million dollars this weekend like she is another weekend. So perhaps this was an upgrade for her. But let me show you. This was mm -hmm. Alina Hoppe saying Trump is too smart too intelligent this isn't just a normal person he's ready to go it's simple it's a perfect phone call play the clip let me ask you this the logistics you saw the timeline there uh that's in the middle of running for president caucuses primaries how do you logistically handle you know prepping a client for all of those different trials and running for president of the united states yeah, if it was a normal person, honestly, Shannon, I could understand the concern. President Trump is not your average person. He's incredibly intelligent and he knows the ropes. He also knows the facts because he lived them. These are these are not complicated facts. Look at Fanny. It was a phone call, a phone call that's been around forever that he refers to as the perfect phone right. call. What is he going to have to be prepped for? The truth? You don't have to prep much when you've done nothing wrong. So that I'm not concerned with. These trial dates also are going to move. It's unrealistic. It's theatrics. And no judge is going to say that you can be on two trials at once in two different states because a lot of these overlap. They look at the start date of the trial, but these are four to six week trials at the uh, least. Mm -hmm. So there's no way they're not going to overlap. I mean, they're going to have to go into October, November of next year, again, by design. But in terms of President Trump, the candidate, I have zero concerns. Okay. Look at his poll numbers, and he didn't even go to the debate. Yeah. Karen, so tell us what happened in Washington, D.C. Court, court before Judge Tanya Chutkin. Well, she, she set a court date for March 4th. 
of this year, not 2026 when they're looking to when they were looking for uh, basically a never court date. She said March 4th, six months from now, saying that's more than enough time to try a one defendant, four count trial. It's not a you know they, the government estimated it's it's maybe four to six weeks. This is not the biggest most complicated trial. So this is more than enough time. And it got very heated and fiery. You know, John Loro, the, the defense attorney, was saying, I can't be ready. Uh, you're going to deny. Um, he used a buzzword called effective assistance of counsel because your ineffective assistance of counsel is a reason to have your case overturned. And he tried to say um, Trump is not going to have an, an opportunity to have an effective assistance of counsel because there's so much paperwork and discovery and stuff that the government turned over that we have to prepare. And it went back and forth. Apparently, it got very, very heated to the point where where the judge had to tell him, admonish him, and, and tell him, take it down a notch, you know, enough. Like, don't get so heated. And, you know, you have to wonder, why would it? Why would a defense attorney do that to it? I mean, it's not going to, you're not going to persuade a judge by yelling at her. So he must have made the calculation that, okay, she had her mind made up. She wasn't going to be persuaded. Certainly, she's not going to be intimidated by being yelled at by a defense attorney. So he was clearly performing theatrics, both for his client, uh, Donald Trump, who, who, believes in you know being tough and the whole tough guy thing and yelling etc so you have to kind of put put that on if, if you're representing him i also think he was doing it to try to uh to try to get his the base support you know the the maga republican people outraged you know they're all about outrage and so he was expressing outrage oh we can't possibly be ready etc so you know the other thing that that i think um was interesting is is a lot of people have said oh but this is the day march 4th is the day before super tuesday you know, is that what the judge is doing, is trying to prevent him from, from you know, is there some kind of strategy there for doing it right before Super Tuesday, which is the next day? I think the fact that Super Tuesday is the next day clearly shows how separate politics and criminal justice are. I don't think the judge had any clue or thought about it at all because it has nothing to do. It has no place in the courtroom. And, and in fact, they were saying, oh, but he's so busy, he has to run for president. And she said, you know what? I, I've had sports figures before me who have said, you know, I can't possibly start this trial because the football season is starting or the basketball season is starting or whatever. Or I've had other people who, you know, everybody has a life. Everybody has a job. Everybody has uh, an a situation where they can't possibly, you know, they think they can't possibly do this. And she said, look, you know, this, this, this goes first. This is more important. It's not a reason to delay the case. Um, you know, she also said she, she consulted with, uh, with Juan Mershon, who's the New York state court judge who's in charge of and overseeing the Stormy Daniels election interference case. And that's supposed to go March 24th of 2024. And, uh, and she said she consulted Judge Mershon to make sure that this was okay. And, and, and typically, and we, we've talked about this several times on Legal AF and elsewhere, that Judge Mershon, I know him, I've worked with him, and I've been before him, and of course he would defer to not only a federal judge, but it's without a doubt the January 6th case is probably the most important criminal case in my lifetime. I mean, 
you know, he's trying to, Donald Trump tried to uh, basically destroy our democracy, right? Like the very foundation of the United States of America is, is someone who tried to steal it is on trial. And of course that, although I still believe that Alvin Bragg's case and the election interference case with Stormy Daniels is an important and worthwhile case, without a doubt, this one's more important. And, uh, and, I, and I'm not surprised that Judge Marchand agreed to defer to, um, to Judge Chutkin here. Karen, you worked with Special Counsel Jack Smith at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. So when Special Counsel Jack Smith was announced as the Special Counsel back in November of 2022, I remember that day very vividly because there were so many people who were stoking misinformation about Jack Smith and his ability as a prosecutor. And I'm not just talking about right-wing people. I'm talking about, I don't know what was going on, but all of a sudden I saw this like anti-Jack Smith agenda. And so you and I spoke and you're like, man, I work with this guy. I know Jack Smith very well. He's probably one of the top prosecutors right now that exists in the country. He is the perfect person for this job, and he is a master tactician. And we see that here, right? I mean, he could have brought a far more sprawling uh, indictment before the grand jury to vote on, but he was very surgical and tactical and thought many steps ahead of this hearing that took place earlier in the day to anticipate all of the different types of arguments that Trump's lawyers were going to make, to anticipate all of the different kind of permutations of different uh, cases involving various different charges that Donald Trump's lawyers were going to cite to. And that's why he made this very narrowly tailored uh, complaint that he brought. Did any of this surprise you at all, Karen? No, not at all. And you know, Jack Smith, like we were baby DAs together. You know, it was both of our first jobs out of law school in the early 90s. I started in 1992. He started in 1994. And the Manhattan DA's office has, you know, 500 lawyers in it. But they group you into these small groups of like 50 people because just it's such a big place, right? And and Jack and I were in that same small group. We were in Trial Bureau 30, which is what it was called. And so we came up together. We were trained by the same supervisors. We learned the same things. And he, he absolutely distinguished himself early on. He was a superstar from the start. And he was a very even-keeled, very smart, very just unfazed, you know, he didn't get stressed out the way some of us did. You know, trials are very stressful. and But he was the guy who was the cool kind of, you know, I got this. Um, you know, he, he was very interesting. We worked together uh, for, you know, several years. And I couldn't tell you what his politics are. I couldn't tell you what his political leaning is. He's not that kind of a guy. He's just a total straight shooter, all about doing the right thing. And then, of course, he left and, and he became a federal prosecutor. And then he became a war crimes prosecutor. And so he's really done uh, tons and tons of, you know, he's truly a career prosecutor. Uh, in the sense, the true sense of the word, you know, I was a career state prosecutor, but Jack has really been all over, you know, state, federal, and international. And he's, he's, I, I just don't think anyone could say, other than Donald Trump, of course, who, you know, likes to say terrible things about him. I don't think anyone who's ever worked with him would ever say anything different. He's just highly respectable, 
very, very smart and very just kind of does the right thing kind of guy. And as you can see, all the moves he's made so far, he's, you know, he's clearly demonstrating that he continues and remains to be that guy. It must you know, be such a head scratcher for you, Karen. No, no, I was gonna say it just must be it must be such a head scratcher for you when you see Trump tweet out, you know, this Trump hating prosecutor. I mean the way you describe working your time working with Jack Smith. So he's just a by the book guy, apolitical, just wants to do the job the way it should be done, you know, politics aside. So when Trump then goes to attack Jack Smith for being a quote unquote Trump hating prosecutor, Trump uh, Jack Smith's wife. I mean, what do you think to yourself in those times when you read those posts? You know, look, and it calls him a crackhead and, and all that kind of stuff. Honestly, what I think it, it really, really makes me sad for several reasons. You know, it's it's a perfect example of of tearing down the norms and the systems and, and you know, the, the institutions of our democracy. And that's what Donald Trump tries to do. I'm not exaggerating when I say it doesn't get better than Jack Smith. It just doesn't. You know, he's he's the real deal. He's the true public servant. I mean, in the truest sense of the word, he's the best of us. He's the best of this country has to offer. And you have somebody who allegedly you know, holds himself out as someone who should be president of the United States and, and, and would say that just because he doesn't like that he's being prosecuted. It actually makes me very sad. And it's just such a shame because there really it doesn't get better than Jack Smith. It doesn't. He's he's really kind of, you know, like I said, he's just he's he's the true public servant who believes in serving the public and not playing politics with people's lives, not, you know, not without fear or favor is is sort of the, the famous line that is always said. Um, that's how, And that's what he does and how he does it. It's all about, you know, just telling the truth and fairness and doing what's right. And so it, it's hard for me to watch that. And first of all, it's completely completely wrong and it's uh, outrageous and it you know just thinking about what Jack and his family must have to go through you know look obviously as prosecutors you know we've all had death threats etc it's not like when Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss you know their, their life was was upended the way it was they didn't sign up for that as prosecutors you know we sort of sign up for it it goes with the job it sucks terribly it's not i'm not saying it's a good thing it's terrible i've been there and you know had to have police guards outside my kids school etc i mean it's not fun it's terrifying but you know you, you, it goes with the territory but this is on the next level you know this is not this is next level i mean jack smith's life will be forever changed um because of not and not even just donald trump but he's so irresponsible in the things he says and then you know you've got his followers who who, who clearly get the message that what donald trump wants from them is chaos and violence and you know they over and over again we see that they've gotten that message you know january 6 is not the only example of it and it's just you know very sad that that he get not only gets away with it that he's not being held account you know to account for his behavior uh judges are somewhat hamstrung in what they can do to him, mm -hmm. to Donald Trump, you know, in his tweets and in his messaging because of the election, etc. But if he is convicted, I he needs to be held accountable and he needs to go to prison because really what he has done is is irresponsible, outrageous, dangerous and criminal. We don't expect this March 4th, 2024 
trial date that was set by Judge Chutkin to move in any material way. I mean, yeah, there may be a two-week extension, a month extension, but I think we can fully expect that the special counsel, Jack Smith, criminal case against Donald Trump for crimes relating to the 2020 election will take place in that kind of early to mid-2024 period. We can say that with a great degree of confidence as well, with a great degree of confidence that we will see a conviction, I believe, around that period of time related to special counsel Uh Jack Smith's prosecution. You talk about the dignity and integrity of people like Jack Smith, who you know, And as President Biden says frequently, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. alternative. I I think about that. I also think about, Karen, what you just said, how Donald Trump and this MAGA rhetoric has provoked violence on a very frequent basis. I mean, take a look at what happened over the weekend in Jacksonville, where there was a race-based terrorist attack. That's what it was. It was a terrorist attack where a individual espousing white supremacist views killed multiple black people based on this hateful and disgusting rhetoric um, that has been spread and based on the fact that there are no common sense gun control laws on the books. And take a look at what President Biden posted um, about his cooperation with Governor DeSantis about what took place as well in Jacksonville. And I want to compare that to what Donald Trump has been posting over the past 24 Shit hours posting. as well as what President Biden posts. He said this morning, I spoke with Governor DeSantis to inform him that we've approved the emergency declaration for Florida as they prepare for Hurricane Adalia and FEMA has pre-deployed personnel personnel and assets. Florida has my full support as they prepare for the hurricane and its aftermath. And then Biden also says, I also reiterated my commitment to support the people of Jacksonville following the horrific shooting on Saturday. My prayers continue to be with the victims and families. And here you have President Biden talking about a not just a political adversary, but someone in Ron DeSantis who says the most hateful and disgusting things about President Biden, spreads lies about President Biden. You had DeSantis at the Republican debate, if you even want to call it that, saying, I would have told Dr. Fauci, you are fired. You know, at the same time, you have Mike Flynn, who Donald Trump said would have a major role in a second administration cabinet. And if Trump were to ever horrifically disgrace our nation, I don't even want to think about that thought. But you have Mike Flynn holding events where guests are calling for the execution. And then you can take a look at what Biden posted. And now let's compare it like this is what Donald Trump is reposting. It is a fake mugshot of President Biden. Just think about this. Uh, think about the level of uh, lack of maturity is probably the nicest thing I can say about Donald I mean, this is a petulant fascist third grader who does this, who reposts this. A fake mugshot? Are, are you kidding? This is who MAGA Republicans want to give nuclear weapons to? They want Donald Trump to make decisions of life and death over your life, your family's life, your friends. life, neighbors, co-workers, colleagues, our country, and this is what he's spending the weekend doing, 
he's also posting photos of himself like this from cult followers that goes, I will vote for him no matter what. The more they indict, the more we unite. I will vote Trump no matter what. What, what in the world is this? And let's take a look at what Donald Trump posted after Judge Chutkin set the March 4, 2024 trial date. And this was after Donald Trump's lawyers went on TV, went on all the right-wing media saying he's prepared, he's ready to go, he's so smart. This is what Donald Trump posts on his social media platform. He goes, deranged Jack Smith and his team of thugs who were caught going to the White House just prior to indicting the 45th president of the United States, an absolute no-no, have been working on this witch hunt for almost three years, but decided to bring it smack in the middle of crooked Joe Biden's political opponent's campaign against him, election interference. Today, a biased Trump-hating judge gave me only a two-month extension, just what our corrupt government wanted, all in caps, Super Tuesday, I will, all in caps, appeal, and he puts page two, how do you have an indictment that is based almost entirely on the findings of the January 6th unselect committee of Marxists, fascists, and political acts, when these same lowlifes who have been caught lying for years about Russia, 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 Ukraine, 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 FISA, the fake dossier, and much more purposely and illegally, in caps, destroyed and deleted all of the evidence, findings, and proof of the January 6th committee. When will deranged Jack Smith criminally charge the committee? I mean, if you just even remove the fact that this is a malignant, narcissistic, sociopathic, treasonous, criminal trainer, I know that's hard, but just remove that for a second. This conduct right here, the, the, the statements, the way he speaks, this is not normal. This is not normal. And people are sick and tired of being gaslit by large media networks who try to normalize this behavior. That's why I show these posts, because we can't cover our eyes, we can't close our ears, we can't ignore the reality that what I just read Yes, it is incredibly dangerous behavior. It is awful. This is not normal. And as you go into it, all they have is just name call. Low life. You're a thug. Russia, Russia, Russia. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Marxist, fascist, hacks, all of these things. And then they just lie, saying that the January 6th committee records have been destroyed. It's even internally inconsistent with this statement. He says that they relied entirely on the findings of the January 6th committee. And then he goes, but it's all destroyed and deleted while his lawyers are in court saying that they need all this extra time to go through the records. And Jack Smith saying, well, look, about a million of the records are January 6th committee records that were turned over to Donald Trump. And so this is all some of the most disgusting propaganda um, all lies. Jack Smith was appointed, by the way, November of 2022. So it's been less than a year. So when Trump goes three years of they just make things up. Just you're right. No, I'm sorry. They just make things up. It's utter, it's it's utter, it's utter lunacy what they do. And not to get too mushy here, Ben, but but you're right because so much of what Trump espouses is is just so hateful. 
And that's what I love so much about the Midas Vita community. We're a community of compassion. We're a community of love. We're a community at the end of the day that stands behind truth and knowledge. And that's it. And that's what and that's why people, that's why the channel continues to grow week over week is because people who come to us and they know we're not gonna gaslight them and just show them the clips to just show them the clips that no, we're gonna look at these things and really with a critical lens go through them and talk to you about why this is so just bizarre and, 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 and why you and your family and your friends, why it's time to wake up and really start to take action, especially this next election cycle, and make sure we get out there and vote, because I'll tell you what, Trump's rallying up his base filled with hate, whereas our base is filled with love, compassion, and truth, and those are all things that we can all continue to stand behind. You know, I showed a uh, video clip over, I think, earlier this morning of the governor of New Hampshire, uh, Chris Sununu, who said, Trump's gonna lose because independents are repulsed by this conduct, absolutely repulsed by this conduct. Here, I'll show you a video right here of a New Hampshire voter. Bluetooth connected. Presidential candidate Tim Scott saying, look, if you don't stand up to Trump, you expect me to believe you're going to stand up to people like Putin and Xi? Play this clip. You don't stand up to Trump. How are you going to stand up to the president of Russia and China? Yeah, I think the truth is that is not standing up to Trump. The truth is that well, you're avoiding you're avoiding standing up for his past, but you don't have. Hi there, welcome back. We were listening to Midas Touch. Yes, they're still on. Uh, Trump has most devastating day in court yet. Still going on. Folks, I need you by my side from the very start. No, you don't. Whatever you're able to Old man. You know, was both a candidate. Um, yes, he as a candidate, yeah. he has his campaign staff, and that's supposed to be completely separate. March 4th, 2024. This is the trial date in the Washington, D.C. federal criminal case against Donald Trump for trying to overthrow the 2020 election that's being prosecuted by special government. The trial date was set today by Washington, D.C. federal judge Tanya Chutkin. Federal judge Chutkin presided over a trial setting conference in her courtroom. She kept mm. command of the court in the face of Trump's lawyers constantly interrupting her and speaking over her and repeatedly accusing her of engaging in a miscarriage of justice. And then just like that, swiftly she announced the trial date March 4th, 2024 and the related dates before that for pre-trial motions. Now, over the weekend, Trump's lawyers continued their media tour saying how prepared they were, how big and how smart Donald Trump was, how ready he was for trial, that this was easy. But as soon as they were in court, all we heard was Trump's lawyers whining, just like Trump about not being ready or prepared and how unfair this was or how unfair that is and once the trial date was set by federal judge tanya chutkin what did trump do well he immediately took to social media to attack her to attack special counsel jack smith to attack the entire judicial system trump says 
he is going to file an appeal of the March 4th trial date, but folks, the trial date is not appealable. Next, no. let's go to Georgia, where we had a busy day in both state court and federal court in connection with the sprawling RICO case against Donald Trump and 18 other co-defendants brought by Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis in Georgia state court. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee set the arraignment of Trump and his co-defendants for September 6th, starting at 9.30 a.m. with Trump's arraignment to go first, and then each co-defendant will have their arraignments held every 15 minutes thereafter. And we expect this proceeding will be televised, and we will have our Midas Touch Network cameras in the courtroom. Meanwhile, in federal court in the Northern District of Georgia, federal judge Steve Jones held an evidentiary hearing in connection with Mark Meadows' attempt to try to remove the case from Georgia's state court to federal court. To the surprise of virtually everyone, Mark Meadows testified. He took the stand. He waived his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. A true mini-trial took place in federal court. So what happened and what happens next? Well, Georgia MAGA Republicans don't want anything to happen next. They have started efforts to try and remove Fulton County District Attorney Tony Willis as a prosecutor in Fulton County under a new law, SB 92, signed into law by... Republican Governor Brian Kemp back in May, which creates the Orwellian named Georgia Prosecuting Attorneys Qualification Commission in order to remove duly elected prosecutors who the Republicans on the commission feel bring, quote, disrepute to the profession. When Republicans don't like the outcome, this is what they do. So what will happen next there? We'll discuss. And speaking of Republicans trying to gain the system and destroy our democracy, Republicans are gearing up for an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. The scope of it, the Republicans don't really know. Something about Hunter Biden's laptop and subsidiaries and whistleblowers and who knows what, but Folks, as the Republicans are now refusing to fund our government, they are focused on doing whatever Donald Trump tells them to do to harm our nation. We've got a lot to discuss. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch podcast, joined by Jordi Micellis and Karen Friedman Agnifilo. Brett is away, and no one better to discuss these legal developments. So many. It was fast and furious. Karen Friedman Agnifilo and I were speaking all day, and I just said, Karen, you're coming on the show. (laughs) Karen fortunately said yes. We're thankful to have you and your perspective here. Karen Friedman Agnifilo, for those that don't know, um, for a very long period of time, close to three decades, was the number two prosecutor in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and served for certain significant periods of time as the acting Manhattan District Attorney. So it's great to have Karen Friedman Agnifilo here. Jordy, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so excited for the show tonight. Big bro, you look excellent in that shirt. 
Funny enough, quick, quick story. I know when Ben likes when we talk brother band before we get into the real serious news. I was with Ben when he got that shirt. And so we do a little bit of a pre-show. I comment on Ben's shirt. I'm like, hey, Ben, that's a new shirt. I really like that. And to his, I don't know, lack of memory of being with his younger brother, he totally forgot that I was with him when we got it. He's like, thanks, Ben. I just got it the other day. Like, make no mention that we got it together. But anyway, let's move that aside. We are so lucky to have KFA, as we affectionately call her here on the Midas Touch Network, join us tonight. And I'm so excited. Karen, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm so honored to be like an honorary sister today on the Brothers Club. I love it. Well, it's great to have you here, Karen. We've got a lot to discuss, but from the outset, I do want to mention that lots of people have been asking for the federal judge Tanya Chutkin emoji on our YouTube channel. And so I have been given authorization to unlock the judge emoji if we hit 500 members on this episode. 500 new memberships. If you're already a member, you can gift other people memberships as well. If we don't hit it on this episode, I think we'll come close to hitting it on this episode. We will roll that over to the next episode to unlock the Judge Chutkin emotions, but I'd like to see it unlocked here. And we appreciate everyone who's become a member of the Midas Touch Network. We don't have outside investors here, which is probably not the greatest business model in the world, but the way we grow this platform, for example, how we created MidasTouch.com, which is the new homepage for all things Midas Touch, is through those uh, emoji supports and Patreon support. We've been able to bring on some top editors, some top writers, so you can see the direct correlation between emojis and the growth of this network. And so 500 emojis, we unlock the Judge Tanya Chutkin emoji. And rightfully so, I hope hope we unlock that today. Karen, there was a lot of developments in uh, different courtrooms today across the country. So let's start with Washington, D.C., where you had special counsel Jack Smith previously requested January 2nd of 2024. You had Donald Trump through his counsel. They requested April of 2026 for the trial date in connection with the case brought by special counsel Jack Smith in D.C. for Trump's attempts to overthrow the 2020 election. And so a lot for Judge Chutkin to consider. Ultimately, she said a March 4th, 2024 trial date. But Donald Trump's lawyers say, we're not ready. We're not prepared. This is so unfair. But what happened over the weekend and the previous weekends? What have we seen over and over again? And every weekend, either Donald Trump's lawyers or spokespeople or lawyers slash spokespeople, they go on TV and what do they say? They spread the Trump propaganda to right wing media, whether it's Fox or Newsmax, and they say, we're ready to go. This is simple some Kim Jong-un style stuff here. Donald Trump is so smart. He's so intelligent. He doesn't need to prepare. Why? Because these mega Republicans do not want to exist in the world of law and order. They want to exist in the world of propaganda, of right-wing propaganda. So they say that as if special counsel Jack Smith's team's not going to bring it up to Judge Tutkin and say, Judge Tutkin, they said they're ready. They said they have the information. They said they're prepared. 
here is all of the times they've gone on this media tour and said they are ready. So, for example, here is Alina Hoppe. I guess this was an upgrade this weekend in the sense that uh, her statements were only used as evidence against Trump's legal team at a hearing. She wasn't sanctioned close to a million dollars this weekend like she is another weekend. So perhaps this was an upgrade for her. But let me show you. This was Alina Hoppe saying Trump is too smart, too intelligent. This isn't just a normal person. He's ready to go. It's simple. It's a perfect phone call. Play the clip. Let me ask you this. The logistics, you saw the timeline there. Uh, That's in the middle of running for president, caucuses, primaries. How do you logistically handle, you know, prepping a client for all of those different trials and running for president of the United States? Yeah, if it was a normal person, honestly, Shannon, I could understand the concern. President Trump is not your average person. He's incredibly intelligent, and he knows the ropes. He also knows the facts because he lived them. These are these are not complicated facts. Look at Fanny. It was a phone call, Look a phone call Fanny. that's been around forever that he refers to as the perfect phone call. What is he going to have to be prepped for? The truth? You don't have to prep much when you've done nothing wrong. So that I'm not concerned with. These trial dates also are going to move. It's unrealistic. It's theatrics. And no judge is going to say that you can be on two trials at once in two different states. Because a lot of these overlap. They look at the start date of the trial. But these are four to six week trials at the uh, least. Mm-hmm. So there's no way they're not going to overlap. I mean, they're going to have to go into October, November of next year, again, by design. But in terms of President Trump, the candidate, I have zero concerns. Okay. Look at his poll numbers, and he didn't even go to the debate. Yeah. Karen, so tell us what happened in Washington, D.C. court, court before Judge Tanya Chutkin. Well, she, she set a court date for March 4th of this year, not 2026, when they're looking to, when they were looking for uh, basically a never court date. She said March 4th, six months from now, saying that's more than enough time to try a one defendant, four count trial. It's not a, you know, they, the government estimated it's, it's maybe four to six weeks. This is not the biggest, most complicated trial. So this is more than enough time and it got very heated and fiery. You know, John Laura, the, the defense attorney, was saying, I can't be ready. Uh, you're going to deny. Um, he used a buzzword called effective assistance of counsel because your ineffective assistance of counsel is a reason to have your case overturned. And he tried to say um, Trump is not going to have an, an opportunity to have an effective assistance of counsel because there's so much paperwork and discovery and stuff that the government turned over that we have to prepare. And it went back and forth. Apparently, it got very, very heated to the point where where the judge had to tell him, admonish him, and, and tell him, take it down a notch, you know, enough, like, don't get so heated, and, you know, you have to wonder, why would it, why would a defense attorney do that to it, I mean, it's not gonna, you're not gonna persuade a judge by yelling at her, so he must have made the calculation that, okay, she had her mind made up, she wasn't going to be persuaded, certainly she's not gonna be intimidated by being yelled at by a defense attorney, so he was clearly performing theatrics, both for his client, uh, Donald Trump, who, who, believes in you know being tough and the whole tough guy thing and yelling etc so you have to kind of put put that on if, if you're representing him i also think he was doing it to try to uh to try to get his 
the base support, you know, the, the MAGA Republican people outraged, you know, they're all about outrage. And so he was expressing outrage. Oh, we can't possibly be ready, etc. So, you know, the other thing that, that I think um, was interesting is, is a lot of people have said, oh, but this is the day, March 4th is the day before Super Tuesday. You know, is that what the judge is doing, is trying to prevent him from, from, you know, is there some kind of strategy there for doing it right before Super Tuesday, which is the next day? I think the fact that Super Tuesday is the next day clearly shows how separate politics and criminal justice are. I don't think the judge had any clue or thought about it at all because it has nothing to do. It has no place in the courtroom. And, and in fact, they were saying, oh, but he's so busy. He has to run for president. And she said, you know what? I, I've had sports figures before me who have said, you know, I can't possibly start this trial because the football season is starting or the basketball season is starting or whatever. Or I've had other people who, you know, everybody has a life. Everybody has a job. Everybody has uh, an a situation where they can't possibly, you know, they think they can't possibly do this. And she said, look, you know, this, this, this goes first. This is more important. It's not a reason to delay the case. Um, you know, she also said she, she consulted with, uh, with Juan Mershon, who's the New York state court judge who's in charge of and overseeing the Stormy Daniels election interference case. And that's supposed to go March 24th of 2024. And, uh, and she said she consulted Judge Mershon to make sure that this was okay. And, and, and typically, and we, we've talked about this several times in, on Legal AF and elsewhere, that Judge Mershon, I know having worked with him and I've been before him, and of course he would defer to not only a federal judge, but it's without a doubt the January 6th case is probably the most important criminal case in my lifetime. I mean, you know, he's trying to... Donald Trump tried to uh, basically destroy our democracy, right? Whoa. Like the very foundation of the United States of America is, is someone who tried to steal it is on trial. And of course, that although I still believe that Alvin Bragg's case and the election interference case with Stormy Daniels is an important and worthwhile case, without a doubt, this one's more important. And, uh, and I'm and I not surprised that Judge Marchand agreed to defer to... Um, to Judge Chutkin here. Karen, you worked with Special Counsel Jack Smith at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. So when Special Counsel Jack Smith was announced as the Special Counsel back in November of 2022, I remember that day very vividly because there were so many people who were stoking misinformation about Jack Smith and his ability as a prosecutor. And I'm not just talking about right-wing people. I'm talking about, I don't know what was going on, but all of a sudden I saw this like anti-Jack Smith agenda. And so you and I spoke and you're like, man, I work with this guy. I know Jack Smith very well. He's probably one of the top prosecutors right now that exists in the country. He is the perfect person for this job, and he is a master tactician. And we see that here, right? I mean, he could have brought a far more sprawling uh, indictment before the grand jury to vote on, but he was very surgical and tactical and thought many steps ahead. This hearing that took place earlier in the day to anticipate all of the 
the different types of arguments that Trump's lawyers were going to make to anticipate all of the different kind of permutations of different uh, cases involving various different charges that Donald Trump's lawyers were going to cite to. And that's why he made this very narrowly tailored uh, complaint that he brought. Did any of this surprise you at all, Karen? No, not at all. And, you know, Jack Smith, like we were baby DAs together. You know, it was both of our first jobs out of law school in the early 90s. I started in 1992. He started in 1994. And Manhattan DA's office has, you know, 500 lawyers in it. But they group you into these small groups of like 50 people because just it's such a big place, right? And and Jack and I were in that same small group. We were in Trial Bureau 30, which is what it was called. And so we came up together. We were trained by the same supervisors. We learned the same things. And he, he absolutely distinguished himself early on. He was a superstar from the start. And he was a very even-keeled, very smart, very just unfazed, you know, he didn't get stressed out the way some of us did. You know, trials are very stressful. And But he was the guy who was the cool kind of, you know, I got this. Um, you know, he, he was very interesting. We worked together uh, for, you know, several years. And I couldn't tell you what his politics are. I couldn't tell you what his mm-hmm. political leaning is. He's not that kind of a guy. He's just a total straight shooter, all about doing the right thing. And then, of course, he left and, and he became a federal prosecutor and then he became a war crimes prosecutor. And so he's really done um, tons and tons of, you know, he's truly a career prosecutor uh, in the sense, the true sense of the word. You know, I was a career state prosecutor, but Jack has really been all over, you know, state, federal, and international. And he's, he's. I, I just don't think anyone could say, other than Donald Trump, of course, who, you know, likes to say terrible things about him. I don't think anyone who's ever worked with him would ever say anything different. He's just highly respectable, very, very smart, and very just kind of, does the right thing kind of guy and as you can see all the moves he's made so far he's you know he's clearly demonstrating that he continues and remains to be that guy it must you be know, such a head scratcher for you karen no no i was gonna say it just must be it must be such a head scratcher for you when you see trump tweet out you know this trump hating prosecutor i mean the way you describe working your time working with jack smith so he's just a by the book guy apolitical just wants to do the job the way it should be done you know, politics aside. So when Trump then goes to attack Jack Smith for being a quote-unquote Trump-hating prosecutor, Trump, uh, Jack Smith's wife, I mean, what do you think to yourself in those times when you read those posts? You know, look, and he calls him a crackhead and, and all that kind of stuff. Honestly, what I think, it, it really, really makes me sad for several reasons. You know, it's it's a perfect example of, of tearing down the norms and the systems and, and you know, the, the institutions of our democracy. And that's what Donald Trump tries to do. I, I'm not exaggerating when I say it doesn't get better than Jack Smith. It just doesn't. You know, he's he's the real deal. He's the true public servant. I mean, in the truest sense of the word, he's the best of us. He's the best of this country has to offer. And you have somebody who allegedly you know, holds himself out as someone who should be president of the United States and, and and would say that just because he doesn't like that he's being prosecuted. It actually makes me very sad and it's just such a shame because there really, it doesn't get better than Jack Smith. It doesn't. He's, he's really kind of 
you know, like I said, he's just he's he's the true public servant. What do you think about him continually breaking the conditions? How Trump continuous. Release on bond. Comma threatening. Doing nothing. I said, hey, Karen and Ben, hey, Karen and Ben. Care to comment on Trump constantly breaking the terms of his release on bond and DOJ doing nothing about that? Why isn't he locked up? Christopher Perez, Trump for prison. Oh, shit. Please comment on Trump constantly breaking terms of his release. Fear or favor is is sort of the the famous line that is always said. Um, that's how, and that's what he does and how he does it. It's all about you know just telling the truth and fairness and doing what's right. And so it, it's hard for me to watch that. And first of all, it's completely wrong and it's uh, outrageous. And it you know just, just thinking about know. what Jack and his family must have to go through. You know, look. Obviously, as prosecutors, you know, we've all had death threats, etc. It's not like criminal. Exclamation. Exclamation. Shit. Remand, not romanticism, uh, remand to shit clown into custody. Christopher Press, Shepherd Prison. 
when Ruby Freeman yeah, and Shea Moss, yeah. you know, their, their life was, was upended the way it was. They didn't sign up for that. As prosecutors, you know, we sort of Why don't Jack Smith file to remand him into custody? It's criminal. It's not just completely wrong and outrageous. Sign up for it. It goes with the job. It sucks terribly. It's not, I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's terrible. I've been there and, you know, had to have police guards outside my kid's school, etc. I mean, it's not fun. It's terrifying. But, you know, you, you, it goes with the territory. But this is on the next level. You know, this is not, this is next level. I mean, Jack Smith's life will be forever changed um, because of, not, and not even just Donald Trump, but he's so irresponsible in the things he says. And then, you know, you've got his followers who, who, who clearly get the message that what Donald Trump wants from them is chaos and violence. And, you know, they over and over again, we see that they've gotten that message. You know, January 6th is not the only example of it. And it's just, you know, very sad that, that he gets, not only gets away with it, that he's not being held account, you know, to account for his behavior. Uh, judges are somewhat hamstrung in what they can do to him, to Donald Trump, you know, in oh, his tweets on. and in his messaging because of the election, etc. But if he is convicted, I he, he needs to be held accountable and he needs to go to prison because yeah. really what he has done is is irresponsible, outrageous, dangerous and criminal. We don't expect this March 4th, 2024 trial date that was set by Judge Chutkin to move in any material way. I mean, yeah, there may be a two-week extension, a month extension, but I think we can fully expect that the special counsel, Jack Smith, criminal case against Donald Trump for crimes relating to the 2020 election will take place in that kind of early to mid 2024 period. We can say that with a great degree of confidence as well with a great degree of confidence that we will see a conviction, I believe, around that period of time related to special counsel Jack Smith's prosecution. You talk about the dignity and integrity of people like Jack Smith, who you know and as President Biden says frequently, don't compare me to the Almighty. Compare, compare me, me to, to the, the alternative. alternative. I, I think about that. I also think about, Karen, what you just said, how Donald Trump and this MAGA rhetoric has provoked violence on a very frequent mm. basis. I mean, take a look at what happened over the weekend in Jacksonville, where there was a race-based terrorist attack. That's what it was. It was a terrorist attack where a individual espousing white supremacist views killed multiple black people based on this hateful and disgusting rhetoric um, that has been spread and based on the fact that there are no common sense gun control laws on the books. And take a look at what President Biden posted um, about his cooperation with Governor DeSantis, about what took place as well in Jacksonville. And I want to compare that to what Donald Trump has been posting over the past 24 hours as well. This is what President Biden posts. He said, this morning, 
I spoke with Governor DeSantis to inform him that we've approved the emergency declaration for Florida as they prepare for Hurricane Adalia and FEMA has pre-deployed personal personnel and assets. Florida has my full support as they prepare for the hurricane and its aftermath. And then Biden also says, I also reiterated my commitment to support the people of Jacksonville following the horrific shooting on Saturday. My prayers continue to be with the victims and families. And here you have President Biden talking about a not just a political adversary, but someone in Ron DeSantis who says the most hateful and disgusting things about President Biden, spreads lies about President Biden. You had DeSantis at the Republican debate, if you even want to call it that, saying, I would have told Dr. Fauci, you are fired. You know, at the same time, you have Mike Flynn, who Donald Trump said would have a major role in a second administration cabinet if Trump were to ever horrifically disgrace our nation. I don't even want to think about that thought, but you have Mike Flynn holding events where guests are calling for the execution of Hunter Biden and Dr. Fauci and, 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 and things like that. And then you can take a look at what Biden posted, and now let's compare it like this is what Donald Trump is reposting. It is a fake mugshot of President Biden. Just think about this. Uh, think about the level of uh, lack of maturity is probably the nicest thing I can say about Donald Trump. I mean, this is a petulant fascist third grader who does this, who reposts this. A fake mugshot? Are, are He's you not this is allowed to do that. He's not allowed to fucking post threats. To they want Donald Trump post against Biden. It's a threat. Trump is making terroristic threats against Biden. Again, violating conditions of his release. Midas Mighty, call DOJ, lock him up, lock him up, Christopher Press, shut for prison, colleagues, our country, uh, and this is what he's available. spending the weekend doing. He's also posting photos of himself like this from cult followers that go, I will vote for him no matter what. The more they indict, the more we unite. Mm -hmm. I will vote Trump no matter what. <laughs> more they indict, what, what the more we unite. What is this? And let's take a look at what Donald Trump posted after Judge Chutkin set the March 4, 2024 trial date. And this was after Donald Trump's lawyers went on TV, went on all the right-wing media saying he's prepared, he's ready to go, he's so smart. 
This is what Donald Trump posts on his social media platform. He goes, deranged Jack Smith and his team of thugs who were caught going to the White House just prior to indicting the 45th president of the United States, an absolute no-no, have been working on this witch hunt for almost three years, but decided to bring it smack in the middle of crooked Joe Biden's political opponents campaign against him, election interference. Today, a biased Trump-hating judge gave me only a two-month extension, just what our corrupt government wanted, all in caps, Super Tuesday, I will, all in caps, appeal then he puts page two. How do you have an indictment that is based almost entirely on the findings of the January 6th unselect committee of Marxist, fascist, and political hacks when these same lowlifes who have been caught lying for years about Russia, 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 Ukraine, 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 FISA, the fake dossier, and much more purposely and illegally, in caps, destroyed and deleted all of the evidence, findings, and proof of the January 6th committee. When will deranged Jack Smith criminally charge the committee? I mean, if you just even remove the fact that this is a malignant, narcissistic, sociopathic, treasonous criminal traitor, I know that's hard, but just remove that for a second. This conduct right here, the, the, the statements, the way he speaks, this is not normal. This is not normal. And people are sick and tired of being gaslit by large media networks who try to normalize this behavior. That's why I show these posts, because we can't cover our eyes. We can't close our ears. We can't ignore the reality that what I just read, yes, it is incredibly dangerous behavior. It is awful. This is not normal. And as you go into it, all they have is just name calling. Low life. You're a thug. (laughs) Russia, Russia, Russia. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Marxist, fascist, hacks, all of these things. And then they just lie. Saying that the January 6th committee records have been destroyed. It's even internally inconsistent with his statement. He says that they relied entirely on the findings of the January 6th committee. And then he goes, but it's all destroyed and deleted. While his lawyers are saying that they need all this extra time to go through the records. And Jack Smith saying, well, look, about a million of the records are January 6th committee records that were turned over to Donald Trump. And so this is all some of the most disgusting propaganda, um, all lies. Jack Smith was appointed, by the way, November of 2022. So it's been less than a year. So when Trump goes three years, they just make things up. Just you're right. I'm sorry. They just make things up. It's 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 utter it's utter lunacy what they do. And not to get too mushy here, Ben, but but you're right because so much of what Trump espouses is is, is just so hate filled. And that's what I love so much about the Midas Mighty community. We're a community of compassion. We're a community of love. We're a community at the end of the day that stands behind truth and knowledge. And that's it. And that's what and that's why people. That's why the channel continues to grow week over week. Is because people who come to us and they know we're not going to gaslight them and just show them the clips to just show them the clips. No, we're going to look at these things 
and really with a critical lens go through them and talk to you about why this is so just bizarre and 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 why you and your family and your friends why it's time to wake up and really start to take action especially this next election cycle and make sure we get out there and vote because i'll tell you what trump's piling up his base filled with hate whereas our base is filled with love compassion and truth and those are all things that we can all continue to stand behind you know i showed a uh, video clip over earlier this morning of the governor of new hampshire chris sununu who said trump's gonna lose because independents are repulsed by this conduct absolutely repulsed by this conduct. here i'll show you a video right here of a new hampshire voter slamming a gop presidential candidate tim scott saying look if you don't stand up to trump you expect me to believe you're going to stand up to people like putin and she you're playing this clip you don't stand up to trump how are you going to stand up to the president of Russia and China? Yeah. I think the truth is that it's not standing up for Trump. The truth is that well, you're avoiding, you're avoiding standing up for his past. But you don't have, you don't want to lose all his votes. I get you. Don't forget this. I've never heard you. I didn't hear you the other night. Sir. I'm say I can't accept him as president. Do you want to have a conversation? Do you want to have a monologue? I'm happy to listen. But if you want to have a dialogue, like I'll be speaking as well. I think he wants to have a truthful dialogue. He doesn't want to be gaslit. He doesn't want to be told that now claim that you are critical of donald trump you absolutely are and karen i think independents specifically are looking at this and they are horrified i mean as a as a former prosecutor you know and you look at these messages too it's just repulsive behavior repugnant I agree. I mean, look, I, I think Jordy, what, what Jordy was saying, I think should be, you know, we should be reminded of that every day of the week, right? That it has to be about truth and love and not normalize these things because it is outrageous, right? Absolutely outrageous. And I'm so disappointed in Tim Scott. You know, he was one of, you know, was, there's a lot of people, a lot of independents who are saying, you know what, I still, I want to be, you know, I want to vote Republican, but I, it's not Trump. And they were looking at Tim Scott uh, as potentially somebody, you know, who, could, who, who wouldn't be like a, a typical MAGA, but you're right. I mean, that was a disappointing, a very disappointing answer. He should come out and, and you know, not normalize what Donald Trump was doing. It's it's outrageous. You know, it's criminal. It's it's okay to call it out and say he, he is a criminal. He tried to steal an election. That is not okay. I don't know how that could ever be okay. And I don't understand, truthfully, how it is that people don't see that. You know, I, I really don't get it. It's, it's a crazy world we're living in. Because it happened in front of our eyes, right? Yeah. The smoking guns aren't the needle in the haystack that we got to go through 12 and a half million documents or two terabytes to be like, aha, I've got the email every single day after January 6th, before January 6th, we see what this maniac is posting. We hear what he is saying. We watch it. We can we can judge for ourselves this conduct. And so when you see 
what the Republican Party is doing, and we're going to talk later in the show, that they are now focused on, when they come back to Congress, doing an impeachment inquiry of President Joe Biden because Donald Trump is telling them to do that based on what? And I say this, Karen, look, as someone who cares about law and order, if these pack of Republicans say, Ben, Karen, Midas Mighty, We've got 17 audio recordings of President Biden when he was vice president. And on them, we see him engaged in bribery on behalf of his son, Hunter. Here they are, press, play, and then we hear it and we go, oh my God, oh my God. I would not be supportive of Biden if that's the case. But I'll tell you, I am repulsed when day after day, MAGA Republicans pull that crap and it doesn't exist. Where are the 17 audio recordings? Oh, we never Defamation. seen 17 audio recordings. Fraud. Now you're just gaslighting You're just making up fake things. 17 audio recordings. 17 is a pretty freaking specific number right there that y'all are just yeah, making that's up. that's why they right, chose it. we got it. a whistleblower. And this is the real whistleblower. Right, where's the whistleblower? Missing. Where's the next whistleblower? Where's the next whistleblower? A spy for China. Really? A spy for China? Then I have to hear Kevin McCarthy go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes the whistleblower more credible because he's like in the spy business. So that makes him more credible. Like, no, what are you talking about? You're you're helping a Chinese spy try to take down a... Do you realize what it is that you are doing? Oh, who's your next whistleblower? A Russian oligarch? Really? And then even the Russian oligarch doesn't support them. They get as a witness a Russian (laughs) oligarch, right? Who goes, yeah, yeah, I I never said that. That's just... That's not anything that's even close to what I said. And then they have a whistleblower who goes, yeah, 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 in April 2020. And then you have a Democrat like uh, Krishnamurti who goes... Okay, wasn't Trump the president in April of 2020? And then you have the witnesses go, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, wasn't Trump the freaking president? Wasn't Trump in office on April 2020? Well, actually, Joe Biden was. Joe Biden wasn't the president. What, What are you talking about? And I care about evidence. I care about facts, especially admissible evidence admissible Mm. evidence and so we're going to talk in a little bit about an evidentiary hearing that took place in the federal court for the northern district of georgia where you know what's required evidence evidence (laughs) also today wasn't in my intro but peter navarro had had an evidentiary hearing that was also held so much was going on i forgot to mention that in my intro in washington dc before judge amit meta and the federal judge basically mocked what navarro said Mm -hmm. when navarro was like well you know i feel I, i feel that trump gave me executive privilege and meta's like literally the judge said this that's weak sauce i don't care about your feelings that's absolutely weak sauce right there. You have to come into a courtroom with evidence, admissible evidence. We're going to talk about all of that and so much more. Also, we are super close to getting that Judge Chutkin emoji, 180 more memberships to go, and we unlock what may be my favorite emoji yet, the Judge Tanya Chutkin emoji. We'll talk about all of this and so much more after this break. Your pets are a member of the family. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them Num Num. Num Num delivers fresh dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs. Uh, look, as bad as he would be as, as being on top of the ticket for because we'll lose the presidency, 
He heard school board races. He heard governorships, Congress races, congressional races, Senate races. Say it. And normalize it. I'll show you. We say this is evidence-based, so I'm not just going to say that the Republican governor of New Hampshire pursued no said something. I'm going to show you. I'll show you the evidence. Here's what Governor Sanders this week that I don't think anybody can characterize as good for Trump is getting his mugshot taken and released in a Fulton County courthouse. Selling t-shirts within minutes. That, of that may be true, but do you think that it's good for him politically? Do you think having a mugshot out there changes anything in the Republican electorate? It doesn't change anything, but it allows him to maintain his presence in the media, his image. People will be talking about it. What, not just what he does with the mugshot, but all the drama that he wants to keep building off of it. He wants this drama to keep going. Give him a fifth and sixth indictment. He'll love it. Because what, it keeps what about him in with the independence? News. I mean, New Hampshire, oh, live for your day. He doesn't care. All he cares about right now is getting the nomination. He can't win in November. Independents hate it. There's no way Donald Trump will win anything above 31% of the independents, which is why Republicans as a whole will get crushed if he's on. Uh, look, as bad as he would be as, as being on top of the ticket for because we'll lose the presidency, he hurts school board races, he hurts governorships, Congress races, congressional races, Senate races. We will lose all these seats like we did in 22. You know, if you look at my political views, you'd probably say, hey, Ben, Ben's progressive, Ben's liberal but i don't use those titles right now because i also think i'm far more conservative than these MAGA republicans who want to overthrow our democracy i want to conserve our democracy i don't support insurrectionists i don't think that it's a good idea to start singing songs with january 6th insurrections and release them on apple music the way MAGA republicans do after they send congressional delegations to do that i I don't think that those are conservative people. They are MAGA Trumpers. And what'd you say? He said, I, I said, I also, you're also just not a rapist, right? Like, let's just be real. He was, he, he, it was a civil case, but he's a rapist, right? Like on top of everything else, he's also a rapist. Sorry. I just had to mention that. <laughs> well, I, I, look, okay, it's a, a you, federal sir. jury. Yes. Heard the claims by E. Jean Carroll. Donald wow. Trump had the opportunity to show up like convicted rapist to defend himself. People are propping Donald up Trump convicted rapist. A federal jury found that Donald Trump was liable for sexual assault. This is an individual who we have on audio bragging about sexual assault. In the Manhattan District Attorney case, it's over making hush money payments to a porn star to cover up a three-second sexual encounter while his wife, Melania, had just given birth to their uh, first son together. And this is a real, to your point, Karen, like we can't like lose track about that. Even when these Republican candidates were told uh, whether or not, you know, if they should raise their hand, if they would still support Donald Trump, um, if he was convicted of a felony, he's already been found liable of sexual assault. Yeah, that's the thing that kills me. That's what I don't understand. It's like, I get that these guys don't want to lose the base. They don't want to lose the votes. They don't want to lose the voters. And they're on the Republican debate, and they're talking about, well, maybe he thought he wanted to just challenge the election. He thought he lost. I mean, I, I don't understand how they can go that way. But, uh, you know, he's a guy who's been found liable 
okay, for sexual assault. And then afterwards, when he said, oh, but I, I wasn't guilty rapist. of rape, the judge clarified and said, no, no, no. That's the only rape. reason you weren't found he guilty of rape her. is because New York, unlike judge every other it. state in this country, requires there to be uh, you know, a, a penis to a vagina for there to be a completed rape. Everywhere else, a finger, anything else, if it's, if it's non-consensual and it's a, a violation the way she said it was she just wasn't sure whether it was a finger or whether it was his penis no. in new york that's it wasn't guilty of rape the judge clarified and said no 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 the only reason you guilty of rape is because New York, unlike every other state in this country, requires there to be, uh, you know, a, a penis to a vagina for there to be a completed rape. Everywhere else, finger, anything else, if it's if it's non-consensual and it's a, a violation the way she said it was, she just wasn't sure whether it was a finger or whether it was his penis. Not sure he why he wants to call attention to that either. But, you know, she wasn't sure what it was. But she knew something went in her not consensually. And guess what? That is rape in the true sense of the word. Yeah, it's just because New York is backwards and hasn't included that as rape. It's called sexual assault in New York. That's it wasn't guilty of rape. The judge clarified and said, no, no, no. The only reason you weren't found guilty of rape is because New York, unlike every other state in this country, requires there to be uh, you know, a, a penis to a vagina for there to be a completed rape. Everywhere else finger anything else if it's if it's non-consensual and it's a, a violation the way she said it was she just wasn't sure whether it was a finger or whether it was his it was his penis not sure he why he wants to call attention to that either but you know she wasn't as well. Hey, Trump supporters, you support and send your money to a convicted rapist. Just saying. As well as the most pernicious traitor and terrorist world has ever the world has ever known. And Uber Christians. Uber Christians.
He's the fucking Antichrist. You worship Satan. As well as um, prop up okay so hey Trump supporters you support and send your money to a convicted rapist just saying as well as prop up the most pernicious traitor and terrorist the world has ever known and uber Christians use the fucking Antichrist you worship Satan CT magazine Christianity today wasn't sure what it was, but she knew something went in her, not consensually, and guess what? That is rape in the true sense of the word. Yeah, it's just because New York is backwards and hasn't included that as rape. It's called sexual assault in New York. That's what the judge actually clarified and says, no, no, you are a rapist in the truest sense. It's the rape still counts because that's what we all know to be rape just because it doesn't fit in this quirky New York law. So I, I don't think we get away with saying, you know, to letting him say yeah. he's not a rapist. He's a rapist. He is. He did. E. Jean Carroll testified. And that's the thing that I, I don't, it just absolutely blows my mind that anyone could support someone like him. You know, in addition to being a criminal for all the reasons, you know, that we're about to see uh, with, you know, on the whole January 6th, etc. You know, that to me is, he, he's a rapist. And, and how can that be president of the United States? And how do, how do we not call that out every time we talk about him? Sorry. You know, I, was thinking, yeah. I, I, I was thinking, Karen, about Thank whether you, Karen, or not we should point. do anything with Trump's mugshot. Because there were a lot of people who were saying to us, you know, maybe you do a mugshot on a mug or maybe oh, you women, do thank you. a mugshot on a shirt. But as we were talking about it as brothers and, and, and as a network, I ultimately erred on the fact that this is someone who's caused people so much trauma. This is someone who yeah. truly is so triggering. And it is a photo designed to do just that. He's traumatized victims. He's traumatized the country. He continues to do that, which is why I don't really want any merch that like displays his face on it like not. that. You know, for for, for for that reason, because I know the trauma. Because, but 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 to what Governor Sununu says, That's this so is what Donald Trump kind. is posting on his social media ben platform, promoting on his platform as a sponsored ad, um, and it is the official MAGA gear. Um, go back to the one where it's the shirt that says, yeah, never surrender, which it's a mugshot of him surrendering. <laughs> and the mugshot on the mug, never <laughs> surrender with the photo. And then his son, surrender except he surrendered. Except <laughs> he surrendered. That's the photo of him surrendering. And then you have Don Jr. writing the following. I'm donating all profits from these 
And these are free Trump flags. I'm donating all profits from these to the legal defense fund. I'm sure others will profit from merch, but I'm just doing what I can to help. This will make the boat parades awesome. Free Trump flag, three by five. Shop Don Jr. And it says uh, free Trump. Uh, and then you have, you know, this is supposedly the, the son of a billionaire who's begging for donations for a legal defense fund for a supposed yeah, billionaire what are you money father for? from people if he's, who if he's a billionaire. This is just, again, behavior that is not normal and that we cannot normalize. Karen, I want to talk about, though, eventful day in Georgia courts, uh, Georgia state court and in federal court. Why don't we start with what was happening in Fulton County Superior Court early in hey, the morning? Zone, no, I'm on hey, the West Coast and I, hey, I wake zone, up pretty early bills. still. I wake up around 6 a.m. Shut every down morning. his pack. Maybe that's not that early, but I wake up around 6 a.m. This morning, though, it's all of a sudden... <laughs> this, this morning, all of a sudden at six, you know, because it was nine uh, Eastern, there was like all this news that was just dropping, you know, and I was like, all right. And then Karen and I did all these videos early in the morning together. We call them the Karen and Ben duets, which we launched throughout. And I, 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 we have fun with our duets and we're going to try to do it on an almost uh, daily basis. But we start off with Judge Scott McAfee. He's a new judge in the Fulton County Superior Court system. And he sets the arraignment date for Trump on September 6th and all of the co-defendants. Karen, he's moving his docket along expeditiously. Yes, there are these hearings we talk about in federal court, but unless and until the federal judge asserts federal jurisdiction and makes that finding, Judge McAfee said, I'm doing my duty. I am moving this case forward. Let's start talking about that. Then maybe we can talk a little bit about these speedy trial demands by some of Trump's co-defendants and how that's kind of expedited uh, in a way that's detrimental to Trump, I think, you know, a lot of these proceedings in Fulton County. Then we'll go to the federal court proceeding that took place uh, in the Northern District where Mark Meadows was going to be in the case. Let's start with state court, though. Karen, what happened with these arraignments? Yeah, so it was put over till September 6th. Uh, it was given, the judge said, you know, 9.30 a.m. is Trump, and then every 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it is, you get to all 18. And an arraignment is just the first initial appearance where a defendant, typically a defendant has to show and has to be present, actually, in court and has to enter a plea. They all will enter a not guilty plea, even if they want to cooperate later and 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 ultimately uh, plead at an arraignment, you, and a defendant will enter a not guilty plea, and then they'll put it over for you know, motion practice, etc. And the, the court is going to have to... Hi there, we're listening to Minus Touch Live right now with Karen Friedman Agnini Fifle. Friedman, Agnifilo. The, the independence that Jordy was talking about, and you know the the republic other Republicans who, about you know, who feel who believe who only get their news from Fox and believe you know Supremacy all the clause. things that Trump is telling them that this is a witch hunt, etc. I think if they see the evidence for themselves, if they see you know Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman testify under oath about what this did to them and did what, and you know, and all of the other evidence that Bonnie Willis will put on, I really think people at, at the end of the day will see this is not a, a 
witch hunt railroad. These are real people with real lives and real facts. And I, I do think having it be televised, it will be in the best interest of the American people and will hopefully bring back the legitimacy of the criminal justice system that Donald Trump has worked so hard to tear down. I thought it was really interesting there what you said, Karen, about Meadows and how it's a big Hail Mary play for him. You know, it's certainly a big swing. And I think it just goes to show along the lines of just how truly desperate of he is at this right there. Lock them and, all up. You know, that this is his car that he's Fuck playing ours. while everyone else Two and is, half is years. in their own camp. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay my cards Still on the table. Still no charges of these motherfuckers. If it works well, for me, great. If not, you know. What about the Congress members? 160 Congress members. Well, Karen, I love watching you on CNN, but I certainly prefer here on the Midas Touch Network for the in-depth breakdowns you do. How incredible is that? Well, and it's because you can, tell, I think, way, you can tell, by the way, I just got back from CNN because I don't normally look like, you know, look like this. People, people are comment, people are commenting. I'm reading the comments as we're here. You know, they're noticing the hair and makeup. This is not what I look like normally with the fake eyelashes and the other crap on my face. But anyway. <laughs> I think you look, great. I think you look great always, and I think that to have. Let, let me finish trashing your other employer for a second, Karen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not, no, I'm not, I, what, what I do think, though, is that why I prefer this format to uh, a cable news format, though, is that a lot of the things that you explain can't be done in five minutes. Like, it requires an in-depth analysis of the way the 11th Circuit interplays with the district court, explaining removal. And that's why I just think the cable news format is a tough one if the goal is kind of an evidence-based analysis. And I think too frequently what the format does is it has you know, renowned experts, and I'm not saying this is on the hit that you did for CNN recently, but it ends up having renowned experts like Karen, who literally led a district attorney's office for decades and knows more about this than anybody. And sometimes, and again, I'm not not using CNN as an example here, but hypothetically, they then have someone else who's pretending to be from, or not pretending to be, but they're from the other side. And then there's this both side argument. And it's like, well, there's not really a both sides. Like Karen just gave you the law and the analysis and and there should there isn't a side that should be the range jack smith russia 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 like that's not that's not the way the conversation should be taking place so i i am so honored to have you here karen to just be able to break it down in that way i ultimately think that the that the audience mark meadows had there though was a record for the 11th circuit court of appeals to your point karen a right-wing 11th circuit court of appeals what are they going to do with when presented with these facts and will they be like look it's plausible it's a very low threshold he was the chief of staff i i hope not but there's a that's who i think mark meadows is playing to but just to be clear Mark Meadows isn't seeking the removal of every one of the other co-defendants. You have to make the, you have to pass that three-part test. The federal official acting under color of authority with a credible federal defense. So Mark Meadows, it's at least not frivolous coming from him. Like Jeff Clark, the disgraced ex-DOJ official, I don't think it's frivolous 
to try to do a criminal federal removal, but like the fake electors like Kathy Latham and Dave Schaefer and some of these other people, like I think it's frivolous when they say as a fake elector, I'm a federal official. Like to me, that's just that's just ridiculous. Like you're not a federal official because you were a fraudulent elector. I'm sorry. Like to me, those are easy ones that the judge is going to reject and remand send back to state court. Also, I mentioned this earlier, Peter Navarro had an evidentiary hearing that was held. He's set to go to trial September 5th in his contempt of Congress case, and he had this evidentiary hearing about whether the jury would be able to hear evidence about his claim that Donald Trump gave him executive privilege. And Judge Mehta, the federal judge in Washington, he's like, is there like a document that says this? Is there evidence that says this? I know you feel that, Navarro, that it's an emotion but your feelings are in evidence in this court. So you saw the headline there, Judge Mehta said, seems like this is pretty weak sauce, what you're trying to present. So sounds like Judge Mehta will deny Peter Navarro's ability to bring an executive privilege argument as a defense before the jury. And then Navarro went out before the cameras and begged and said he needed money and please donate to him and to his legal defense fund, the same thing that Don Jr. is doing for Donald Trump. I did a whole hot take on this, but I'll touch upon it just for a moment. This SB 9 with this law that was signed into law by Republican Governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that created a prosecuting attorney's qualification commission, which can remove prosecutors in Georgia for the following reasons. We can turn to page eight of, uh, of, of this, and here are the reasons that it gives. The following are grounds for discipline of a district attorney or solicitor general, um, and it goes, one, mental or physical incapacity, right? So you're reading that, you're like, okay, well, if, if the prosecutor is mentally or physically incapacitated, that makes sense. Okay, two, willful misconduct, that would seem to make sense. I need a definition of that, but okay. Three, with respect to district attorneys, willful and persistent failure to carry out their duties. All right, again, it's still a little, it's getting more vague and a little bit more ambiguous and seeming a little bit more unconstitutional, but like, let's let's read more. Um, five, conviction of a crime involving moral turpitude. Okay, crime of moral turpitude conviction. We don't want prosecutors who are convicted of crimes of moral turpitude, but here's, this, here's the kind of catch-all. Six, conduct prejudicial to the administration of justice, which brings the office into disrepute. That's such a vague standard. What does that mean to bring the office into disrepute? Also, who's appointed to this commission? Governor Kemp will appoint Republicans to this commission. This takes effect in October. And just to be clear, this is how MAGA Republicans are using it in the Georgia State Senate. This is from Senator Clint Dixon. And there he's posting on his social media. This week, I called on Fulton DA to be investigated through the appropriate process. She should be focused on the 250 accused murderers in Fulton jail, not political theater. She is. And then Senator Clint Dixon posted this on his 
uh, Facebook. He goes, like you, I'm frustrated by the Fulton County indictments handed down last week. This is clearly all about Fawnie Willis and her unabashed goal to become a leftist celebrity. While some have called for a special session, that's not a legitimate option. And then it goes on to say the reality is one of the reasons we passed a law this year referring to SB 92 is to hold rogue district attorneys accountable once the prosecutorial oversight committee is is appointed in october we can have them investigate and take action against phony willis and her efforts that weaponize the justice system against political opponents this is our best measure and i will be ready to call for that investigation and when this sb 92 was passed one of the things they claimed at the time was that district attorneys were not prosecuting enough crimes that the republicans wanted them to prosecute i should mention that the most kind of violent states where the most violent crimes are red states and red cities i'm sick and tired of this narrative that they always want to act like it's democratic cities it's actually not if you look statistically red states have the highest violent crimes and you know highest rates along those lines um but here now they're basically admitting that this law was pretextual to go after Fawny willis I think if there's any good news here, the district attorneys um, who are the ones who are being targeted by this, they filed a lawsuit to block this law from being passed as being unconstitutional. I think given where we see the trial dates taking place, um, I, I do think that they won't be able to remove Fawny Willis before she was able to prosecute Trump, but they are going to try. They are, and this is just what the MAGA Republicans do over and over again. And for example, we see the MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives. We talked about it last week, Jim Jordan trying to interfere with Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis's criminal case, sending letters, making demands, and subpoenaing her and her office. And then you have this focus on impeaching President Biden. That's their big thing. Like, mm. As of right now, there are 12 appropriations bills that need to be passed and an extension needs to be passed because when the MAGA Republicans left for their summer recess, they refused to pass the appropriation bills. And so the same way they held our country hostage with the debt ceiling negotiation, they plan on doing that again as well. And when they return, rather than funding the government, what they want to focus on is this impeachment of President Biden because Donald Trump is telling them to do that. And one of the things that Kevin McCarthy is likely going to be forced to do is have to take a vote about initiating an impeachment inquiry before then going down a path of impeachment. And meanwhile, Americans are like, can you focus on like the things that President Biden's focused on? Please, like, 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 we may not agree with President Biden on everything or Democrats on everything. We're not supposed to, but like, can you focus on jobs? Here's what I know, 37,000 new infrastructure projects have been going up across the country and that means jobs 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 better paying jobs better working conditions can we focus on health care protecting social security can we focus on medicare can we focus on protecting veterans can we focus on making sure women can control their bodies can we focus on equality can we focus on students can we focus on seniors like let's focus on this these issues. And that's what President Biden talks about every day. And again, we may have disagreements over the degree to which President Biden does it. Should he roll out the plan here? Should he do it that? But those are the issues that matter to me. I don't want politics to be a circus. I'm going to cover 
the fascist circus that has become the Republican Party on this and other shows to highlight the contrast between that and the law and order and normalcy. But I long for a day or days <laughs> when we could have normal political discourse, normal political discussion on issues advancing our nation's interests, not this MAGA Republican fascist weirdo idiocracy gaslighting machine. And I have a great degree of confidence that Americans get it. I think Governor Sununu is right. I really do. I think that by and large, and, and the large media networks don't pick this up. I don't think anyone's really picking it up. There has been a paradigm shift. You can't talk about this uh, dichotomy of, on the one hand, you've got progressive liberals on the left. Those are Democrats. And then on the right, you have conservatives. I'm sorry. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, Donald Trump. That's not conservative. They're not fiscally conservative. They're not conservative on, on, on government, there's, not, there's nothing conservative about them. It's like wacko, MAGA, dangerous crap is, 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 is what that is. And then I think you have the Democrats, I believe, to be a broad coalition. I don't think it's just defined as progressive and liberal, although we should be very proud about the progress and progressive and liberal values embodied in the party. I think it's also independent to people not affiliated with any political party and actual conservatives. And we may have disagreements, but fundamentally, we want a democracy. We want compassion. We want intelligence. And we want normalcy. And those are the fundamentals that the Midas Touch Network is built on lots of people go ben did you know you wanted to do a political network and i go i know this may sound funny but i don't really view this as very political like i don't i just want to appeal to our compassion to our intelligence as a community to our desire for a democracy and to spread those values to be compassionate and just to be nice and to focus on normalcy and then to encourage that in future generations as well. And none of this bullying and meanness and demeaning and dehumanizing people. That to me is the core of what the Midas Mighty is all about, what our pro-democracy movement is all about. And I'm so honored by the Midas Touch community. I'm so honored by, you know, uh, Karen, that you join us. We've got just such superstars on here and, and the whole community at large. Karen, you know about the after show right have you heard about the after show or no. okay so the after show is this after we did and, and I, I would love for you to join us on the after show so did for you just call the after show it's, oh the, the the Midas Moore Jordy called thank you Midas thank you I knocked that one after, here we, have, we have a difference of opinion when it's called so after not, we not finish the show Midas Moore after show after we finish the show we do the Midas Moore where we talk uh, it's for Patreon so you have to be a Patreon member um, and that's again one of the ways we fund our independent media network because we don't have outside investors so we try to do fun ways emojis after shows I don't want to be beholden to outside investors okay so that's why we do it this way um, you go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash 
backslash Midas Touch, M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. Become a member at any tier. Become a member at the highest tier, which makes you a uh, honorary producer of the show. You can become, but no matter what tier you are, you get access to these podcasts that are exclusive to Patreon. And then after, if we forgot about a topic, if we wanted to cover something in more detail, if Jordy wants to, you know, said Ben, you should have done this better. We do it on the after show, and then the <laughs> Patreon community talks about it, and it's it's fun and it's a blast. Fun. Yeah, and, and I don't intend to do like lots of things that you know necessarily require memberships. But look, I I think it's so important. Like if you look at what we've been building, how we built the MidasTouch.com website. By the way, what a great editor in chief we have, and Ron Filipkowski and Asin and the whole team there. Rock stars, you know, but but we have to build, we have to come up with the resources, right, to 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 build this somewhere. So that's one of the ways we do it, and then we want to bring you on this journey with us as this network grows. Um, so that's one of the ways you can help. And, and by the way, Ben, we, we we do that too, though, right? So we do it that way, right? So we we're not beholden to corporate donors. At the end of the day, what 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 our mission here, what we strive to do with the My Such Network, is truth, the truth, and the truth. And so as long as we could continue to fund the operation with emojis or you know a few patreon memberships here and there that's what we're going to continue to do because you know what I, I care too much about this community that is the Midas mighty community and and i'm not going to let someone come in from over the top and tell us what to do no you guys would hate that the audience you the Midas mighty absolutely not never because what we stand for we stand for the truth and i know that's what y'all appreciate and that's why this community continues to grow week over week over week store.midastouch.com for all the best pro-democracy gear store.midastouch.com 100% union made 100% made in the USA wear that Midas gear proudly Karen final thoughts about joining Jordy and myself different than legal AF better than co-hosting with Michael Pohan better Better than we CNN. Got some drama here. Much better than CNN. Better than Popak. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, Karen, how was it? No, look, I, I love CNN. Um, I do, and I love that they don't hold me back at all. They don't. There's no kind of script or anything. There's no pre. This is what you should say or not say. Uh, so I do respect that. There's no doubt what my my uh, bent is or or my perspective, I should say, is. And so for that reason, I. I love love them but i do agree with you there's just not enough the format there's not enough time to go in depth to on these topics and that's what what i love about uh legal af and midas you know the whole midas uh touch network and i'm so honored to be on this podcast i mean this is like the brothers podcast is like you know the og podcast right like this is it um so i'm just so thrilled to to be here with you guys beyond and um and it these issues are complicated i mean you know i'm a lawyer i went to georgetown law school i've been doing this my whole entire career and for me to get ready for these podcasts sometimes i have to reread things two and three times and i have to you know really go back and understand and remind myself and so i can't imagine how how people who didn't go to law school you know or who don't have the time to do this how how hard it must be to understand this you know to to 
understand these issues and to really figure out what to think and what to, you know, what is the truth. And so I do appreciate being able to be here with you guys to just help spreading the truth, you know, and, and really what it is and what it isn't. So I love it. And I'm so happy to be here. And if I'm allowed to, you know, use the little girls room, I'd love to join, you know, Midas after dark or whatever it's called, you know, <laughs> Midas more slash Midas the more. after show. And Jordy, did you know that Karen and I both went to Georgetown Law, perhaps a topic for Whoa. the after show, patreon.com slash Midas touch. We'll talk about our experience at Georgetown Law and more. Hey, everybody, seriously, thank you so much to the Midas Mighty community. We love you. We're grateful for you. And uh, you are our motivation, a compassionate, intelligent, unapologetically pro-democracy community. Spread the word. Let friends, family, co-workers, anybody you know, let them know about what we're building together, what you're building here at this Midas Touch community so we can continue to spread the word, continue to educate, and continue to support and defend our democracy. Have a great one, everybody. Jordy, take it away. Shout out to the Midas Mighty! We are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. Standing strong. So let's see what else might have such as going on. I'm not uh, a pain producer. I'm a producer in fact, indeed. Trump and supporters have complete meltdown after Trump surrender. Yeah, yeah. 
Come on with your hands up, Trump. Game's over, motherfucker. Traitor. That was a warning shot, bitch. Worst terrorist in human history. Stephen Miller, what was the first thing that you felt? Because this is all about emotion. When you first laid your eyes on it. Yes. Well, you're right. It is all about emotion. I'm going to get a little poetical with you tonight, if I may. They say that the eyes are the window into the human soul. That blazing set of eyes that we saw in that photograph revealed a soul that is literally burning with a righteous flame on behalf of 300 million Americans. 300 million Americans. That is one of the most powerful images that I have ever seen. Yes, through the injustice, through the autocracy, through the crushing heel of the government, the oppression of the Democratic Party, one man and his two eyes looked straight into the hearts of the American people and said, I will not give up, I will not back down, I will not surrender, I will see this through no matter how it ends. They will not break me. That's what that photograph said. And those of us, those of us who have believed and who have hoped that there would be a real man, a true man someday who would vindicate our rights. We don't know how this battle ends, but we know that we will be riding in this battle, in this struggle to save democracy with a real man, Jesse. This is Donald Trump's male appendage-shaped human propaganda machine, Yosef Goebbels. I mean, Stephen Miller coming damn close to overdosing on North Korea-style propaganda on Fox News when asked for his reaction to Donald Trump's mugshot. And I'm sure you're thinking after that blatant cult-like ass-kissing game, Donald Trump, he'd probably be too embarrassed to continue speaking for the rest of the interview. Unfortunately, you'd be wrong. Let me make this point. Have you ever tried to take a driver's license photo, a passport photo, any government photo? How the hell did Trump do this? I mean, those of us who've taken any government-issued ID in their entire lives have never had a photo that was even close to good, let alone our best moment. How does a man take the literal best photo of his life in a freaking booking shot in a Georgia Fulton County jail? Get myself in a little trouble. It's just incredibly weird and disheartening to hear that on a so-called news station, especially one of the bigger news stations in 2023 in the United States, all to come to the defense of disgraced ex-president Sniffleupagus over here. He's like a lunatic. Yes. Yes, you are. Which is why it's still so incredibly frustrating to hear people after your fourth indictment and arrest, after the other litany of crimes you've been accused of and convicted of, to hear people still defending you. They've actually become so desperate to sway public opinion that they're actually going as far to suggest that Donald Trump's life is somehow in danger at the hands of Democrats. Here's Tucker Carlson asking Donald Trump if he believes the next logical step would be physical harm to him. Can I ask you, that gets back to my original question. So if the protest didn't work, you got elected anyway. Impeachment didn't work twice, obviously. Indictment is not working. Your poll numbers go up. When they raided Mar-a-Lago in August of last year, your numbers went up. They can indict you 20 times and it's not gonna, you're not gonna lose the Republican primary because of that. It's an escalation, is what I'm saying. So what's next after you know, trying to keep you in prison for the rest of your life? That's not working. So like, don't they have to kill you now? I think the people of our country uh, don't get enough credit for how smart they are. And I, I'm not sure I would have said this 10 years ago, but they get it. 
You know, they yeah. really get it. When somebody gets indicted, your poll numbers go down. When somebody gets indicted, you announce, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be leaving to spend time with my family and to yeah. fight for the rest of my life on this Normal stuff. people. But you're out of politics. Yeah, I got indicted. Psychopaths. All trivia. Nonsense. Bullshit. It's all bullshit. This absolute nonsense was then parroted by Newsmax host and Trump ass kisser Greg Kelly. You know, it's not working for them. I mean, so far. you I don't think they ever could have dreamt that you would be going up in the polls and beating everybody by 40 points and be, beating Joe Biden. Tucker asked you last night, I think, you know, I, I, do you think they're going to try to kill you? There's going to be, they're panicking. I think they're panicking and they're going to try something else. Are you worried about that? Are your lawyers worried about that? Is there something else you think they could pull? Judge Ludig said he wants to pull you off the ballot. Yeah, have secretaries of state pull you off the ballot because he says uh, you're an insurrectionist, which you're not even been charged with. Are you worried? The thought that Trump's life may be in danger from Democratic officials. What are you doing, sweetheart, huh? You sleepy head. like Stephen Miller, Tucker Carlson, and Don Jr. would never admit it, but I'm pretty sure this fourth indictment broke these people. Here's Don Jr.'s insanely ignorant attempt to compare his father's 14 and a half fucking seconds in Fulton County Jail to a black man in the South, and not just any black man in the South, but Martin Luther King Jr.'s time spent in the same exact jail. I shit you not, I swear to God, I, I could make it up if I wanted to. Breaking news tonight is my father is currently en route to Atlanta, where he'll be at the Fulton County Jail. What county jail on yet another baseless political indictment? This stuff never ends, folks. Uh, it doesn't end. It's absolutely insane. But hey, I think Martin Luther King was. Sensitive and historically ignorant thing to say. And I still haven't quite decided what the bigger lie told by Don Jr. in this next clip is. It could be that Joe Biden has received billions of dollars from foreign entities all around the world, or it could be that he says his father's a young, vibrant man. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. This is the fourth time this year uh, this has happened. We can't become this numb to this, right? People are doing literally nothing about billions and billions of dollars being traded with the Bidens from every corrupt regime in the world where they've never done any actual business other than peddle influence. And it's like, oh, that's fine. And they're going to try to throw my father in jail for the rest of his life. He's a young and a vibrant man, as you know, but, you know, 750 years or whatever we're up to now. I know uh, death is on the table for some of those things. And, you know, I don't think they'll get their way with all of that. But if they win one or two, that could be... 
a life sentence for someone who's 76. So listen, for a 76-year-old man who's tipping the scales at almost 300 pounds and not the 215 he'd like you to believe, and whose diet mainly consists of Diet Cokes and cheeseburgers, death is always on the table. Here he is actually getting upset with Ron DeSantis because in the Republican debate, he failed to raise his hand quick enough when being asked if he would vote for a common criminal who happens to be Don Jr.'s father. Ron DeSantis is not a leader. But at one point during the debate, Brett Baer asked the candidates a really, really simple question. Okay, if you understand our base, our party, Brett asked this. He asked if they would commit to supporting President Trump if he were the nominee and convicted of a crime. Vivek Ramaswamy, to his credit, man, his hand shot up, yes, because he understands exactly what's going on. DeSantis was like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> you, you see it. He had to look around and waited to see what others did before raising his hand. Now, like I said before, this fourth indictment has broken so many people, and Charlie Kirk heard that Don Jr. was having so much fun comparing his father to Martin Luther King Jr. that he decided to get in on the act. Not only did Kirk, with a small smart, get in on the act, but he also took it a step further, comparing him to not only Martin Luther King Jr., but also Nelson Mandela in his mugshot to not only the flag-raising at Iwo Jima, but the pictures of the millions of people marching for Martin Luther King back in the 60s. No, 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 you heard that right. Charlie Kirk actually compares Donald Trump's mugshot to the flag raising over Iwo Jima. The images of mugshots, the images of the symbol yeah, resonate fundamentally with the American people. Russian. Understand the power Russian. of symbols and icons. They don't Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, Jimi Hendrix, Frank Sinatra, Johnny Cash. This idea of the American rebel makes it exciting. This is 2016 energy again. This is all of a sudden where you see new people that are not affiliated with politics. Donald Trump is the punk rock middle finger at you. F the system type candidate now. And they've created now this massive cultural icon. And these morons decided to all of a sudden give us the flag to wave. It is bad to indict him. It's bad to have the... But then you all of a sudden have a sim... We are visual beings. When you think of the civil rights era, do you think of an op-ed? Or do you think about Martin Luther King and the massive crowds in front of the Washington Monument? When you think of World War II, do you think of some story you read? Or do you think of the flag over Iwo Jima? When you think of the Kennedy assassination, do you think of just reading some newspaper article? Or do you think of the Zapruder film of him in a convertible they do not understand the idea of martyrdom at all they hate him so much they are throwing away all historical lessons of it's possible to reach too far they're trying to solve this with handcuffs perp walks and all this other stuff and now mug shots well chucky i'm sure there's a few veterans and a few civil rights activists we could find that might have something to say about that and if you thought fox news and jesse waters in particular was done kissing trump's ass with that first clip i showed you with stephen miller in the beginning you'd be wrong about that as well jesse was obviously a little bit jealous at stephen miller and how much ass kissing he actually got to do on his show so he wanted to make up for it and do a lot more of his own here he is absolutely failing miserably to pick up on the heavy sarcasm Joe Biden is laying down, while at the same time feeling the need to keep up on the propaganda-style damage control with this Trump mugshot, because they know damn well it's not going the way they intended. 
Hi, this is Mark Barton, San Diego Promise, and New County Connecticut. Hi, hi, this is Nicole Hockley, also from San Diego Promise. And we wanted to bring your attention to the bill for universal background checks. And we need your signature to push this through. This is damn well, it's not going the way they intended. That's the first time Biden's told the truth. It's a handsome mugshot. My wife says he looks fierce. He looks hard. He doesn't look scared, does he? Doesn't look humiliated. He looks exactly the opposite of how the left thought he'd look. So the media, once they observed the impact of the image, now say it wasn't natural. It wasn't authentic. Because the look was planned. They compare his mugshot to Medusa. Once you look at him, your fate is already sealed. So the media is worried they've created a monster. They understand how powerful imagery is. They traffic in imagery for a living. And they can feel the power of that picture. And they can't control it. It's not what they thought it would be. But no matter what they say about it, you can't lie to voters about a photograph. You don't need the media to interpret a photograph for you. They've lost their grip on the story. And they've handed Donald Trump a political gift that'll last a lifetime. Literally, everyone's talking about the mugshot. Democrats and Republicans. The media doesn't own the photo. The public owns it. And the memes are sensational. Here's this one showing a White House portrait of the mugshot being put up. Here's another one. Thug life. The Trump mugshot's like the new Che Guevara t-shirt. The image represents something. You feel something when you see it. It's iconic, it's infamous, and the media feels it too. Oh, as terrible as Donald Trump looks in this picture, and as much as the right hates it, I've been saying all along that the real gems are going to be the outtakes and the shots and the poses that Donald Trump didn't want to use. Because you know damn well if he was putting that much thought into it and he was being coached, there's definitely pictures of him posing in different positions that they thought were definite throwaways. You know, kind of like how Heinrich Hoffman, Hitler's photographer, used to have him practice poses to make him seem more alpha, more manly, and more imposing to the crowd. Because, you know, anybody that's really manly and really alpha definitely has to be coached on how to look like that. But you gotta think, any photo that Donald Trump doesn't want the world to see, any photo that Donald Trump thought wasn't gonna look good for his fans, is definitely one that I wanna see. But hey, the outrage and the freakouts continue over Donald Trump once again being held accountable for the crimes that he committed. The best way for you to catch all the nonsense and all of these clips is right here at the Midas Touch Network. I'm Boston Bryant. Please hit the like button. Please feel free to subscribe. Please feel free to share this. It's all free. As usual, we have to continue to speak up, continue to call this bullshit out, and continue to defend democracy. Until the next time, again, I'm Boston Bryan. Have a good night. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? And continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.
rides from getting my waterfowl some water's playing. the idea of martyrdom at all they hate him so much they are throwing away all historical lessons of it's possible to reach too far they're trying to solve this with handcuffs perp walks and all this other stuff and now mug shots well chucky i'm sure there's a few veterans and a few civil rights activists we could find that might have something to say about that and if you thought Fox News and Jesse Waters in particular was done Ain't kissing no Trump's ass martyr. with that first clip I showed you with Stephen Miller in the beginning, you'd be wrong about that as fucking well. Jesse was obviously a little bit jealous at Stephen Miller and how much ass kissing he actually got to do on his show, so he wanted to make up <laughs> for it and do a lot more of his own. Here he is absolutely failing miserably to pick up on the heavy sarcasm Joe Biden is laying down while at the same time feeling the need to keep up on propaganda-style damage control with this Trump mugshot because they know damn well it's not going the way they intended. That's the first time Biden's told the truth. It's a handsome mugshot. My wife says he looks fierce. He looks hard. But he doesn't look scared, does he? Doesn't look humiliated. He looks exactly the opposite of how the left thought he'd look. So the media, once they observed the impact of the image, now say it wasn't natural. It wasn't authentic. Because the look was planned. They compare his mugshot to Medusa. Once you look at him, your fate is already sealed. So the media is worried they've created a monster. They understand how powerful imagery is. They traffic in imagery for a living. And they can feel the power of that picture. And they can't control it. It's not what they thought it would be. But no matter what they say about it, you can't lie to voters about a photograph. You don't need the media to interpret a photograph for you. They've How fucking sick and twisted is that that you're that they're idolizing a lifetime? Literally everyone's talking idols, about the mugshot. Democrats and Republicans. The media doesn't own the photo. How could they possibly think to convict that rapist? are sensational. Is this one showing a White House portrait it's, of the mugshot the, uh, being put up? Chosen one. Here's another one. Put it. Thug life. The Trump mugshot's like the new Che Guevara T-shirt. The image represents something. You feel something when you see it. It's iconic. It's infamous. And the media feels it too. Oh, as Gangster. terrible as Donald Trump looks in this picture, and as much as the right hates Gangster it, look. I've been saying all along that the real gems are going to be the outtakes and the Gangster. shots and the poses that Donald ideas. Trump didn't want to use. Because you know damn well if he was putting that much thought into it and Shows he was being coached, face. there's definitely pictures of him posing in different positions that they thought were definite throwaways. You know, kind of like how Heinrich Hoffman, Hitler's photographer, used to have him practice poses to make him seem more alpha, more manly, and more imposing to the crowd. Because, you know, anybody that's really manly and really alpha definitely has to be coached on how to look like that. But you gotta think, any photo that Donald Trump doesn't want the world to see, any photo that Donald Trump thought wasn't gonna look good for his fans, 
is definitely one that I want to see. But hey, the outrage and the freakouts continue over Donald Trump once again being held accountable for the crimes that he committed. The best way for you to catch all the nonsense and all of these clips is right here at the Midas Touch Network. I'm Boston Bryant. Please hit the like button. Please feel free to subscribe. Please feel free to share this. It's all free. As usual, we have to continue to speak up, continue to call this bullshit out, and continue to defend democracy. Until the next time, again, I'm Boston Bryant. Mighty, mighty. Love this recording, but continue the conversation by following us on Instagram. At Midas Touch to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. She don't need no Instagram. She just uses Instagram. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Edstone. I can't be wanted, but we all keep travel radio, travel radio, travel radio. On the roads with just a travel radio. Judge Chutkin said speedy trial March 2024. Trump's trial for trying to overturn 2020 election. Yeah, Super Tuesday. Yeah, day after Super Tuesday. By former President Trump, this is the ABC News, 18 others indicted in Georgia for election interference during the last 14 days ago, man. That's how isolated I am. Anyway, so yeah, babysits. Babysit the Midas Touch playlist on YouTube. I, might, I was a uh, Midas Touch producer. I wonder if they still uh, put my name. Probably not after I stopped paying. I had to, I had to, um, too much frauds in this country. I had to shut everything down. We had to shut everything down. We've been shut down. Thanks to my sensor. So if it's, it's a miracle you're, if you're actually listening to this show. So share my shit. Piss off the censors. This is against all enemies. Former Today's Trump official attacks Trump and MAGA for selling us out in time of need. just posted this tweet trying to embarrass the president, I guess, for petting a dog. Here's the backstory. The president was in Maui visiting the scene of the horrific wildfires that devastated the island. One of the workers greeting the president was accompanied by a rescue dog that had reportedly been searching for survivors all day. So, President Biden stopped to pet the dog, as I would have, as any dog owner I'd ever known would have. I want to make a larger point here about how differently our two parties react to these kinds of disasters. I used to hold a senior leadership position in a major disaster relief organization, and I said all the time that our political differences disappear when disaster strikes. For the vast majority of Americans, that is still true. We set aside whatever partisan disagreements we might have and we get to work out with each other. But I cannot help but observe the overt partisanship coming from the right every time another natural disaster strikes. Case in point, there is a Fox News report on the massive storm that swept over Longmont and slammed into California. Just listen, as one of the Fox hosts blames the Biden administration for, quote, letting it right into the country. Tonight. 
the wrath of Tropical Storm Hillary. 42 million desperate souls in the path of the storm, which made landfall in Mexico several hours ago. But they let it right into the country because it's Biden's America. Its impact far from over. This is the first tropical storm to hit California since 1939, when Joe Biden started his Senate career. I don't know how weather works over at Fox News, but in the rest of the world, in the real world, that is, the president can't just shut a door to keep a storm out of California. Some days it feels like the intense partisanship coming from the right is actually making them dumber. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've got a quick break here, but I need a favor first. Shows like this depend on your support. Please, if you can spare five seconds, click the link to the podcast version of the show below and leave us a five-star review. It really does help. Thanks. It's too fucking short. Now, it stops being funny when Republicans choose to allow disaster victims to suffer because of their politics. Before Trump came to office, I never would have imagined that was possible. I've been on the ground as an aid worker in the immediate aftermath of tornadoes, floods, hurricanes, even a Category 5 typhoon. Whenever I encountered people suffering, their politics didn't matter in the slightest to me or to any of the people I was serving alongside, or, I assumed, my government. If you look at how the Biden administration has reacted to the disasters affecting Americans, that holds true. Whether it is fires in Hawaii, floods in California, ice storms in Texas, hurricanes in Florida, our current president sets partisanship aside and does everything he can for the people he serves. Here he is, pledging to support the residents of Maui for as long as it takes. For this, for as long as it takes, we're going to be with you. The whole country will be with you. You know, uh, we will uh, be respectful of the sacred grounds and the traditions that rebuild the way the people of Maui want to build, not the way others want to build. We're going to rebuild the way the people of Maui want to build. But, you know, it's going to be hard. America's deadly wildfire, deadliest wildfire in over a century. And Jill and I have what's left, uh, walked Front Street, what's left of it. We surveyed the damage from here as well. The devastation is overwhelming. This seems like such an obvious thing for a president to do. So why am I driving this point home? Yeah, I'm annoyed that Republicans would attack President Biden for petting a rescue dog while visiting a fire-ravaged community. But that pettiness, I believe, is a sign of how partisan today's Republican Party, led by Donald Trump, has become, and how they view their fellow Americans. I want to end with this exchange I had with Miles Taylor a few months ago, who served in a senior role in Trump's White House and witnessed firsthand just how vicious his partisanship could be, even in the aftermath of disaster that was killing his fellow Americans. I mean, this is sick stuff. Really, really sick stuff. And of course, the only answer to that is no and absolutely not. And then at some point it needs to be, I'm resigning in protest. Um, and amidst all of that, uh, and there, you know, it could just go on and on from domestic terrorism to, you know, uh, national emergencies. I mean, when there would be hurricanes or wildfires, look, if they affected a blue state, Donald Trump would pick up the phone and call us and say, do not send aid money. They don't like me there. He didn't, he didn't even disguise the motivation behind his request. It was like blue state, blue governor, Gavin Newsom, California. He hates me. Don't send money to the wildfire victims. Mr. President, their houses are literally burning in real time. No, don't do it. Um, 
that's that's you know we all know who that Donald Trump is. You didn't have to be in the administration to see that. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report. Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram at Midas Talk. She don't need no Instagram. She just uses Instagram. Expected. I thought it was over and then it wasn't, so it was only halfway over. Okay, GOP, that was posted five hours ago. This was posted six hours ago. GOP will seek to disqualify Honey Willis and the Georgia law to help their pure El Trumpy Von This is your sign to try waking up early or free. Today, I got my morning cocktail by Connerly Burr in the mail. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Let's talk what about... What I want to know is, um, did Brian Governor Kemp, um... Railroad this new law through so that he could help traitor Trump. which is complicit. Trump to prison. I said, what I want to know is, did Governor Kemp railroad this law through so that he could help Trader Trump? It's probably a way of helping out the Republican Party in general, which is complicit. Most of the Republican Party are unindicted co-conspirators in the January 6th insurrection. I'm only presidential candidate calling for suspension of Republican Party. Christopher Perez, Trump to prison. Okay. The effort by Georgia Republicans to try and remove <gasps> Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis. Let's talk about the law they are invoking, what the law New says, law. and where we think it's going to go from here. So, Republican State Senator from Georgia, Clint Dixon, just recently invoked this Georgia law that was signed into law by the Republican Governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, back in May. It's called SB 92 was the bill that was signed into law, and what it creates is an eight-person prosecuting attorney's statewide 
Qualification Commission. It's an eight-person panel. The panel's called the Prosecuting Attorney Statewide Qualification Commission. Commission made up of eight people. Five of them are investigators on the panel. Three form a hearing board, and ultimately the hearing board can decide to remove a uh, district attorney, remove a state prosecutor for a period of 10 years if the qualifications are met. The uh, bill that was just signed by the governor, right? has been challenged by numerous prosecutors who well, are the ones being targeted by, the governor. by Republicans in the passage of this bill. So there is litigation trying to block it from going into effect, but um, it is, it's been signed into law, it will go into effect uh, in October, where some of these complaints will become ripe, and then it will be for the courts to decide whether this law was constitutional or not constitutional. We'll get into the intricacies of this law in just a moment, but here is what MAGA Republican State Senator Clint Dixon posted on his Facebook earlier in the week. He says, like you, I'm frustrated by the Fulton County indictments handed down last week. This is clearly all about Fawnie Willis and her unabashed goal to become some sort of leftist celebrity. While some have called for a special session, that's not a legitimate option to hold her accountable. There is no legal action that the legislature can take to stop Phony Willis's bad behavior. The legislature does not have control over her office or funding. And even if the legislature was empowered to act, calling a special session requires three-fifths of the legislature, meaning Democrats would have to go on the record in opposition of their aspiring superstar. This reality is one of the reasons we passed a law this year to hold rogue district attorneys accountable once the prosecutorial oversight committee is is appointed typo is is appointed in october we can have them investigate and take action against phony willis and her efforts that weaponize the justice system against political opponents this is our best measure i will be ready to call for that investigation and then he posted on his social media account again saying this week I called on Fulton DA to be investigated through the appropriate process. She should be focused on the 250 accused murderers in the Fulton jail not political theater. She is focused on that and she's also focused as a law and order prosecutor in a criminal enterprise within her county trying to overthrow a free and fair election. This is is the MAGA Republican playbook. We see Ron DeSantis utilizing it in Florida where he is suspending prosecutors under uh, provisions uh, in Florida. And here, if MAGA Republicans don't like the outcome, they'll gerrymander districts, they'll fire duly elected prosecutors. These are prosecutors elected by their constituents in Republican states. They'll just um, create a commission to come up with some pretext to fire people saying, oh, this prosecutor is too woke or this prosecutor is this or that. You know, the ultimate irony behind this, there's a lot, um, but when this SB 92 was passed, the idea was that the MAGA Republicans were claiming, oh, 
these prosecutors that they're targeting, what they call these liberal lefty prosecutors, are not prosecuting enough. But now they're basically saying, well, Fulton County District Attorney Phony Willis, she's prosecuting cases we don't want her to prosecute, that we don't want prosecutors <laughs> to focus on. So very quickly, the clear intention behind uh, this uh, bill that was signed into law back in May by Brian Kemp has been exposed. It's just Republicans who want to rig the game, change the rules, so that even when they lose, they can control what is going on and frankly destroy democracy uh, within uh, their states and, and their areas of control. It's completely the opposite of what democracy is supposed to be. I'm sure you've heard a lot about SB 92, but let's just take a look at the actual statute. Um, so we, let's go to the source document so there's no confusion about what it is. So we pull it open right here, SB 92. Let's take a look at the current version that version that was uh, signed into law. Um, and it is a bill to be entitled an act, and it is uh, amending chapter, chapter 18 of Title 15 of the official code of Georgia relating to the appointment duty.